It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Welcome to the Sunday Movie Marathon. I'm uh, Ron Weasley. (laughs) I'm Hermione Granger. And I'm Harry Potter. And this is episode 54, a magical episode. (laughs) Which has nothing to do with Harry Potter whatsoever. We're not even talking about Harry Potter this time. What's up, guys? How are we doing? This yeah, week. not bad. It's been really cold the last couple of days, though. It We're has. getting into winter. I've I, put my heater on and now my uh, room smells like burning. It does. It smells like burning plastic. It's, it's not <laughs> alarming You're like at clothes all. clothes covering it or something? No, no. I think it might be... Um, it's, I have this radiator back in Luton and these radiators are like notorious for like smelling yeah, like shit. Stink. I think it's because they're quite... I'm not going to lie, they're kind of cheap. Oh, great. Yeah, it only costs like £20 from Tesco or something. Which basically means there's a fire hazard here and we're going to die later on. There'll just be fire behind us at some point. That's all right, as long as we finish the recording, eh? Yeah, the yeah. viewers have to know our demise. <laughs> yes, um, it has been colder. It like hit November and then like just suddenly dropped. Oh, yeah. In, in oh, yeah, it was like, like really, really sudden. Yeah. Like, even October was, like, fairly warm throughout all of it. And then literally the day it, like, hits November, <laughs> it's freezing. I only really noticed it yesterday, though. I was walking to work, and I got in, and I couldn't... You know um, when it gets really cold that your chest kind of hurts? I was like, I can't breathe, guys. It's so bloody cold. And they were like, yeah, it's time to crack out the beanies. And, like, fucking workforce wearing beanies around the fucking gaff. I'm like, oh, God. So it begins. Yeah, we have that at work with our warehouse guys. They're allowed to wear beanies in the winter. Yeah, that's because I lit- Yeah, I basically work in a warehouse. Well, it's kind of like a converted warehouse, so it's like really cold in the area that I work in. But my office is in a nice heated area. So it's like, mm. yeah, okay. But I'm never in the office, like ever. How are you doing now, Max? Oh, you know, bit of this, bit of that. I'm all right. Uh, Living life. What's, what's gone on this week? Not like loads, I don't think. Went to like a gig with Darcy and I got kicked in the back of the neck. So that was fun. No, you got uh, scratched in the back of the neck. Literally yeah. blood. Well, with the shoe. Yeah, I got hit in the face by some guy wearing all denim. It really fucked me off. Yeah, fun times. Uh, I realised like, I noticed they just like broke out the Christmas decorations immediately, just around where we are. We got like shopping centres yeah. and... Um, Have just, they? Like, yeah, they've erected this massive... Uh, uh, Christmas tree in like the middle of one of our shopping centres. Like, dude, oh, like, they got the Christmas market set up. It does. <laughs> yeah. I've, yeah. I've noticed that when walking to work, there's been like some houses that have already put up their Christmas decorations outside. Oh, Luton could do mm-hmm. one better. There are people down the end of my street, like near where the Tesco's is. They they just keep their stuff up twenty like three hundred sixty five days. They're just like. <laughs> We can't bother to take it down. Maybe it's Santa. He lives there. Do you know what? Maybe it is. Why would he want to live in Luton? I don't know. Good commute, I suppose. Cheap housing. <laughs> no one knows no, so to look really for him there. It's really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> that is true, actually. No one will there. look for him. <laughs> yeah. And hey, I love Christmas. Not as much as the next guy. But mm. maybe the 1st of November is not the best time to it's break It's too early. Out. It's way it's too early. It's very much too early, yeah. 1st of December is like when I think it's acceptable. That's, Even then. Yeah. And don't <laughs> like it. Middle of December. I'll put up like, with it. Yeah, no, Early my, to my December. 
in our household, we have like a really strict regime of tree goes up the first Saturday of December and it just stays there till January. But he'll get rid of it before January 1st. You watch, like, he he ain't having none of it. My dad's just like, after January, it's not Christmas anymore. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay, dad. yeah. I remember in college, my mate, um, it was like exactly like the midpoint of the year between when, um, like in between Christmas, so it's like exactly six months before and leading up um, and since Christmas. And he came in wearing a Christmas jumper and he was like celebrating that it was mid-Christmas. Mid-Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want. I don't want that to become a thing. So, I think we should revoke that statement right now. <laughs> we don't have a room for a Christmas tree here. Uh, we got like lights that we put up, mm-hmm. but I just forgot to take them down last year. So, right, we just don't turn them on. And like when when Christmas rolls around that that time, I just turn them on again and be like, oh yeah, the lights they're still up there, but we just haven't had them on all year. I like that. At least he's prepared. He's got them already done. He's just got to turn them on. I'm always like, I'm always thinking. I always see them, and I'm like, oh, got to take those down. And I just don't. I'm very, very lazy with them. But hey, no point in taking them down now, is there? Not really. No, you're so close to it. You might as well just keep it up. Maybe you could have for next year. <clears throat> no, I probably won't take them down next year either. Like the difference between like Christmas and not Christmas is just that the lights are on. Well, I suppose so. They're not, and they're not very Christmassy lights either, are they? Um, well, I don't know. Like they're just lights, I guess. Yeah, they're just like fairy lights. Yeah. Okay. That makes it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. (laughs) Chris is now dreaming. Come on, Chris, get with the game. Dreaming of Christmas. I'm not dreaming of Christmas. No, I mean either. <laughs> <laughs> but until Christmas, because I'm sure we'll do a Christmas episode. We don't. We did like a whole month of like horror, but well, we did the Twilight movies as well. But they're pretty freaky. Um, I don't know if we'll do that for Christmas. I for Christmas do you know month. what? I'm going to beg you guys that we don't, because no. there's just I not a lot I of good Christmas movies out there. I hate I, to say I, it. I would do one week, but I wouldn't do yeah. a whole month. Yeah, that's what I, I did last year. I'd say we could do like the Die Hard movies, but I don't imagine that'll be much fun after like this third one. <laughs> yeah, maybe no. not. Oh my god, how many Die Hards are there? There's five. No, I wouldn't want to do no. all five of them. I'd probably only do the first three. <laughs> but even then, after the first one, it's kind of very. We're clutching, we're clutching at straws now. <laughs> could do yeah. Home Alone. There's a new one coming out. Oh, there is, is there? as well. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The, the sixth one. Fucking hell. <laughs> The Disney British one. Yeah. Can't wait. Not. <laughs> so we're talking today. We had like a free for all. So we all chose a movie each. Uh, before we get into that, I think uh, we want to talk about a couple of new movies. There are new movies out. Yes, there are. We're going to talk about <laughs> movie that know. Darcy and I saw last night. Yes. As we were recording called The Last Duel. Mm-hmm. And also Last Night in Soho which uh, Chris saw probably more recently than Darcy and I. So I'm not like super fresh on it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah you, you saw it like guys a week ago, saw it like a week ago today and I saw it a couple of days later. Okay. Mm. Oh yeah, I forgot what day it was. <clears throat> yes, we did. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We'll <laughs> kick it off then. <laughs> the Last Duel, which yeah. is a, a movie 
from this year. It's a historical drama set in the medieval times. It's directed by Ridley Scott. Mm -hmm. We all love Ridley Scott sometimes. Um, And this is about Jean de Carouge, who's a respected squire and knight, and he's known for his uh, skill on the battlefields. And then there's uh, another guy called uh, Jacques Legris, who's also a squire and uh, very intelligent, very eloquent with his words, and he's a very admired noble. And then um, the the sort of crux of this and like the the whole reason I think people would see it is that it's about an assault on Carouge's wife, and then she steps forward to accuse her attacker, and uh, this puts her life in danger. It puts her husband's life in danger, and also it just like these three people are kind of uh, could possibly all die, um, and. It's kind of about this duel, this is, or the lead up to the 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 assault, and then also to the duel, uh, which happens at the end. And I saw this a couple of weeks ago. Oh, maybe it might have been like a month ago or something. Um, and I thought, wow, no one's here. It's just me in this <laughs> theater with like maybe three other people. Um, this movie is really, really good. It's a really fantastic movie, but no one's see it, seen it. Um, it made like a fraction of its budget back. What is yeah, its budget? I- it's like, um, uh, let's see if I can get this up. $100 million. Oh, fuck. Any estimates <laughs> as to what it made back? <laughs> uh, hold on. So no one knows about it. So I'm going to say 30. 23 million. Fuck. Literally, I tell people that um but well, I was going to see it, not the fact that I have seen it because obviously I only watched it yesterday. And people were like, What the fuck is that film? Or they go, Oh yeah, I saw a trailer for that one time. Like no one knew. Yeah, because it's, about the it's film. um being put out by Fox, who obviously are now owned by Disney, who seem to be basically sabotaging everything they put out. Like I swear, every single Fox movie at the moment's getting no like marketing at all because Disney just kind of seemed to be intentionally sabotaging it. It was it was actually really sad. I saw an advert for it. Like I was just uh, watching my trash heap that is Hollyoaks, and it actually came up in an advert, and I was like, "Oh, that looks interesting." And I was like, well, "It's not really." Uh, it was. Not, I don't know. I looked at it, and I was like. Mm, Maybe it's not for me, but then I was like, "Oh, look, look, let's look who's in it." And then I immediately forgot who the fuck was in it because I got in there last night and I, I did I did a little bit of dancing. I'm not gonna lie, right? <laughs> we'll get into that in a bit, but um, yeah, I just think it's quite sad. I feel like the film's been done really dirty. Yeah, like one screening as well. Like I think every time I went, I wanted to go see it. It was either on really late or a day that I couldn't get to. And yesterday was the last showing of it in Portsmouth that I'm aware of. And I was like, what yeah. the fuck? And it's like in a cinema that's like just ever so slightly out of the way. So yeah. we have to spend like an obscene amount of money on taxis to get there and back. Oh, that was vile. That was actually the least favourite part of my night was just how much money was just dispensed into terrible taxi drivers. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so in talking about this movie, I kind of want to preface mm-hmm. it by saying... Uh, just for those who don't have like the, the maybe have quite a faint disposition is, is that it's quite heavy on topics of rape and um, 
that those kinds of themes i think are very prevalent in the movie so if that's yeah. not something you want to hear about probably skip this part um because it is quite a heavy movie it's an 18 um and it does center around a rape basically it's mm-hmm. it's all about this rape and um it's it's following the perspective of these three characters it's like the the truth according to Jean de Carouge or the truth according to Jacques uh, the the other one and um the, other guy. the truth according to uh the lady marguerite um yes and it's it's uh, a very very um interesting with this movie is that it changes these perspectives. It kind of breaks it into acts. So, like the first act is uh, Jean de Carouge, uh, who played by um, who's played by Matt Damon, and then Jacques de Gris, who's played by Adam Driver, and then Marguerite, who is played by Jodie Comer. So it's broken into these three acts. I was very um, surprised to see just how much it plays with this kind of structure and where we are seeing these perspectives on this story uh everything is basically the same it kind of plays out again and again and again three times over but the intrigue comes from how much everything changes when you view it from different people's perspectives Mm. they're like slight changes to each thing that happens or like someone will say something in their version but then the other person said it in a different version as if like mm. they're just making up stuff that they thought that they said but they didn't say yeah also, like yeah. uh some like the guy the men will be like they imagine themselves being a lot nicer or a lot more sympathetic yeah. whereas when it um it goes to uh, marguerite's perspective which is very clever in a sense that it says the truth according to uh, the Lady Marguerite. Uh, and then it like it's like this subtitle and then it it fades away and then it just says the truth. It's like you know this is what happened. And yeah, this I is like, like that based bit. on a true story. <laughs> I don't I don't know about you, Darcy, but like just the fact that it's based on a true story it just kind of hits a bit harder for me. I yeah, don't that, know why, but it's just because it, it's very. I think it's because um, it's, it's, it feels real. Like obviously, it, obviously it mm. is based on real stuff, but it feels real. Like it does there were feel times real. I was just really uncomfortable, and I was just like, Ooh. it's always very um, easy. I think to separate yourself from these uh, stories set in like medieval times. It's mm-hmm. it's so far away from us now. It's so far removed from the modern quotidian and culture that we're living in now. It's very easy just to say, yeah, but that's not going to happen now. This is, it works because it's happening now and it's very prevalent in mm-hmm. its issues and its topics and its themes. It's all about like, I think just the treatment of women and um, how we're seeing more and more of uh, just people trying to fight for these kinds of uh, rights today and um, just what we're seeing in the news and the media where um, you know women are not being treated fairly at all it's very sad to see today and like just to see it mirrored in a story that dates back you know centuries is very upsetting to see that it's still like really nothing's changed that much I was literally just about to say that I feel like nothing has really progressed like I personally think that we should have duels again and just cut apart people. But that's another (laughs) thing. Like the duel in itself is not 
it happens at the end and it's not really about it's not Marguerite. about the duel, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's not, no, it's not really about the duel, but it's also no. not about... The duel itself is not about Marguerite. It's it's um, these accusations that have been brought forth uh, in the light of this rape. So Jean de Carouge has taken this as a slight on himself and his property. Mm-hmm. Because he, he married Marguerite... And when he married her, he got a dowry, which basically grants him land. Um, so it, it's very much like it's not. It's it, everybody knows that back in those days, women were seen as property, and they were married so that they could uh, transfer lands over to other families and make these houses stronger. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> it kind of felt like a lot of it was just like Marguerite was just being pushed to the the back of like everything and it was like oh he touched my wife oh i hate this man like it wasn't even Mm. about her like he didn't even care about her it was just like oh this is another thing that he's done to me how fucking dare he i'm gonna kill him as if he actually gave a shit about (laughs) how she was feeling that's how i that's how i felt about it i just felt like it was just two petty men squabbling Mm. and when (laughs) while you want to see jean de carouge win because it has dire consequences if he doesn't win like Mm -hmm. he'll die uh, Marguerite will die her baby will become an orphan Um, you want Jean Decarouge to win but at the same time it's it's not treated as like a a victory if he does win yeah like let's put it this way it wasn't satisfying was it I don't know I I don't feel it it was it was satisfying in a way but at the same time, you understand why. I guess we're in spoilers. I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, I know. I just feel like Chris is. Oh, sorry, Chris. I know. This is, do you know what? You should just take off your headphones with me and Max will just have a candid conversation. I'm not paying attention to be honest. Okay, fair enough. Okay, great. Lovely. Nice. We like that. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, not really treated as a victory. Um, it's cause, because Jean de Carouge is not very nice to her. He's not like a nice guy really no he's quite horrible all yeah, the time what i think is funny is that um obviously you see his version first so you you're sort of made out that he's like this really nice guy who's been like wronged and it's like oh i feel bad for him and then by the time the last part comes around i'm like oh my god i hate both of them so much i want them both to die <laughs> mm. there are also a lot of archaic rules that mm. they kind of go by in in this court that they're trying yeah, to appeal for um, where i guess like there are some rules where you can laugh at them but other times it's like mm-hmm. you laugh so you don't cry because it's actually happened you know it's um a lot of uh talk about the idea of not being able to conceive through rape is yeah, comically uh, I, uh, preposterous yeah it was like it was one of those moments where like people were laughing out of just like sheer shock almost it was like oh mm. yes how can you have a baby through rape you're not you're not pleasured and it's like Ugh, it's just cringe like <laughs> i hated it because i suppose the idea was that a woman has to orgasm in order to conceive yeah i mean lol <laughs> sorry <laughs> but jesus christ um Which, there yeah, were some really, it's, yeah it's, some really weird laws there the, Mm. I was surprised just how much comedy is in the movie for a movie so dour. Yeah, like they do like, pull it off. 
so casually like, oh, do, do you find this sex pleasurable? And she's just like, yeah, yes. of course. And it's just sure. like, <laughs> okay. But, but that's, there's also like an underlying sadness to it because like she's not enjoying it at all. Mm-mm. It's very st- stiff and they do show like her and her husband having sex, but it's very stiff and very mechanical. Yeah, like, it, he literally looks like a washerboard, just like... Mm. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminded me of that scene on like the in-betweeners. Yeah, that was, it was yeah. literally like that. But as if he was like, uh, yes, I hope that was good for you, my love. And she's just mm. sitting there like... Mm, they have to like air so. it all in like the courts so like everybody has to hear about their sex life yeah that's horrible isn't it because i think courts were very much ruled by the church very much Mm. ruled by god um and there's a lot of like talk about god and uh god's presence in the movie the duel is said to uh God's absolve, judgment. Yeah. yeah, is to cast judgment um, from God. Like whoever wins, it means that they were telling the truth. Like God decides in a way. Obviously, we know now that this isn't like clearly <laughs> just bullshit. Make sense. Anyone can win in these situations, you know. Mm. Um, it just depends on the right outcomes, and sometimes it uh, depends on luck alone. Um, but it was very. It's it's very just silly for us to watch it now and say like oh they believed in the church back in those days they were stupid but because it is real it's a real thing that happened this actually did this is what they were like back in those days it's also as it is quite funny because we're so far removed from it we also understand that that was actually yeah that was someone's reality at the end of the Mm. day someone actually had to i mean maybe not in this situation but there will be other cases where like literally someone will probably die just because God mm. said that someone was shit in battle or something. Like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. They just sort Fucking of sat mad. there seething as they were talking it through. And then like the guy comes up, he's like, a rape cannot produce a pregnancy. This is just science. Oh Everyone my God, laughs, that, but I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> that part only made me laugh because he was like, it's just basic science. Because they have to like, basically trying to tell, trying to force her into saying that she enjoyed it, Mm. and it's horrible to watch. It's like, well, if you didn't enjoy it, then like, you you couldn't conceive that way, you know? Yeah, I mean, just obviously a blatant lie. Yeah, it's it's a. I mean, what, what? But then again, they don't know any better, do they? They're. To be honest, no. Well, it's very, still really unsettling. Very much, you know, church and state are very woven in together back in those days. Yeah, I mean, apart I don't from know, the like whole, how like, you kind of felt about like the the more harsh scenes, I thought um, they were depicted very well. Because it's kind of it kind of changes every time when it when it gets to Marguerite's um, when we see this like rape scene in its entirety, it's so horrendous to watch. So, it's so upsetting. I know it's that Chris, done, it's done very well. Very, it um, is. It doesn't go over the top with it. It's not like irreversible or something. I don't want to say it's tasteful because there's it's no not really tasteful, such no, thing. Because it can't but, be. It can't be. No, but it it has a sort of like. It it doesn't it doesn't drag it's me. It's not super along graphic with it. Long. Yeah, that's what I mean. Of like it, it's what kind it, of it shows, but like it's kind of just like a close up on her face, and it's it's just the performance alone. It's it's what's carrying 
this scene and yeah, like, Jodie Comer is just fantastic. She is. She's a great actress anyway. But like, I just felt like throughout the whole thing, like the longer, like, because obviously um, it's split into three parts and obviously, but uh, it, hap- it only happens twice from different accounts, right? And mm-hmm. literally the third time, because you know what's sort of coming, because you know it in the order that it's going to happen. I, like Literally, my I had a hoodie on and I was just literally like moving the hood closer and closer and closer to my face because I was just like, I can't watch this. Mm-hmm. And I just spent the whole time. I could just feel my heartbeat going. It was fucking horrible. It was the It was one of the worst things I've seen. I say that as if I'm ever yeah. going to watch that irreversible film. <laughs> Not a fucking chance, mm. guys. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's too much. To. It's, it is it's too much. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of sat there because I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. But it doesn't make it, it didn't make it, it any more easier. easy. No. It just, because it my heart was still like thumping out of my chest. It was like yeah, tense up. horrible. I was almost like in tears because it's just, it's it's too, horrendous. It's, it's too real. It's literally, it's it too feels much. real. In, yeah, it's not for the faint of heart, I don't think. And it's an 18 no. for a reason. It is very hard to watch at times. It is. Like, I, I honestly, I, I, oh, literally, I just had the hoodie over my face, had my hands in my face. I was like, I can't do this. But it's important to show these things. It's important that the story is told. And I feel like it's important for people to see this movie, even though not a lot of people did. No, I think. I think it's one of those films where um, it kind of so when was it the the blah, 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 sorry um the the, the mum's talking about how she was like oh I was raped but we didn't say anything and she mm. was like well I can't not say anything and I was like fuck yeah bitch you fucking do that I don't know it's one of those films where it's like you just have to stand up for yourself because it's just you can't let injustices like that go on. I mean, I say yeah, that as if like anything's actually really changed, but I feel like it's important. It's also hard. It's, it's yeah. a hard subject to broach. It is. I think because a lot of people still to this day don't really come forward. Um, no, and, I mean, there are know, reasons for that. I exactly. Suppose. Yeah. Can't really blame someone not for coming forward. No, no, no. I'm, oh God, no. <laughs> I don't it, want anyone to does, think that that's what I'm trying to get at. But I think but in, it's important in instances that like this, did. it does create a precedent for other people to follow, I think. Yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to say. I feel like it's a good example to lead from, like, you can say things and it will hopefully yeah. reach a good outcome, but mm, I don't know. Mm. I think it's just, it's, it's quite a sad tale about just how little justice there is for cases like this i mean i don't know it's it's, it's a different topic for another day but it's definitely and another podcast yeah i feel like it's definitely something that um it really rings true especially as like i mean obviously i i've been very lucky that nothing's ever happened to me like that but like as a woman i feel i feel it you know what i mean like i feel a bit more connected to the story if that makes sense, sure. I guess. Yeah. But not in that kind of way. No, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think we can get off of this now. Uh, we can just give our ratings. I don't want to get cool. too in-depth with like the themes when I, I, I'm not like like the master of like this kind of thing. I'm not like... No, this is so our well-versed sort of really, story. I don't think you know, this, this is... a movie podcast and I want to get yeah. into like... <laughs> We've been rambling. Way harder ages. discussions. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... I think we'll, yeah, we'll rate it. Cool. You want to go? <clears throat> <laughs> um, you put, oh, 
We'll do it out of something. Yeah, sure. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. They say like the little um, death. Little death. Little oh death. my god! I was just thinking like, uh, that. <laughs> are you not experiencing the little death? Oh no! I've never heard anyone um, call it little death. Yeah. It's, um, it's a nickname for an orgasm, isn't it? Yeah, it is. but I've never yeah. heard of that term before. I only know of it because um, Mark Hoppus' band Plus 44 have a song called Little Death all about sex. Oh, nice. fair enough. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. So this is, um, <laughs> it's not a movie for the faint of heart. I would say go and see it, but I don't think you can anymore. Um, no, I don't think so. Unless you're willing to travel, I think. If I, I, I kind of want this to become like a, like a, classic movie like a cult movie so maybe if it goes on like streaming and people will see it then then it'll mm-hmm. gain a bit more traction people will start talking about it a bit more because it is very important for people to watch this um as much as it is just like a movie you know it's a movie you've said in medieval times sword fights and battles is very violent and graphic um it's i'm sure it appeals to a lot of people but you know it's i guess it's not for everyone um and especially not if you're not you don't really have the disposition, I suppose. Or like, if mm. it's something that's going to be triggering to you, I would probably say avoid it, you know? Um, but I just had a fantastic time. Um, I really enjoyed, I mean, it's two and a half hours, but it doesn't feel like it. it's broken into these structures. It's like you kind of, this this three-act structure that kind of uh, stops it from feeling too played out or like it's going on for too long. Um, the one criticism I have with it really is that the accents are not, very consistent. But Matt Damon's <laughs> accent shit, sounds actually. American sometimes. <laughs> or like, uh, I mean, Adam Driver's a lot better for it, but even then he slips at times. I feel that they probably could have just got English actors or British actors to play these mm. characters. It might have been a bit better. Um, but that's about all I have to say in terms of like uh, things that put me off, really. So... Uh yeah, I just I love it so much. It's 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 such a good movie, honestly. And I'm quite sad that not a lot of people saw it. But I hope more people do see it um in the future. So I'll give it uh nine little deaths out of ten. <laughs> Sorry, the the uh <laughs> the little death thing's gonna kill me. So so good. Um you know, I'm I'm actually glad that um I came to watch it now because um, obviously it's been like a really long week and at one point I was just like, fucking hell, it's going to be such an arsehole to get to. Is it even worth going? No, it was worth going. And and Alex Lawford is in this movie and I love him. So that was a happy day for me. Um, I actually think this film's amazing. Uh, actually, controversial maybe, but this might actually be one of my favourites this year. But then again, yeah. we haven't had a lot of good films this year, so it might not be a <laughs> a very high uh, compliment, to be honest. But um, yeah, um, not to journal on too much about it, but I think people should go and see it if, like Max says, you uh, are willing to see it, I suppose. Um, yeah, Nine Little Deaths. Awesome. Now, I guess we'll uh, talk about another movie you came out. It was... Um Oh, fuck it, Chris, you want to introduce this? Because you saw it most recently. Yeah. Um, so the other movie that we um, watched is the new Edgar Wright movie. Obviously, Edgar Wright, best known probably for films like the Cornetto Trilogy, Scott Pilgrim, Baby Driver. Really great British director. 
This new movie is Last Night in Soho, mm -hmm. which is his first, I guess, like fully serious movie. There's definitely comedic bits in there, but for the most part, this is just a straight, like, horror mystery sort of movie. The film is all about a girl called Eloise who um, is played by Thomason McKenzie, who goes away to fashion school in London. And she starts having a bit of a shit time, really, and isn't really fitting in. She moves into this um, kind of creepy apartment building and starts having dreams of herself in the 60s, um, basically mirrored as um, a aspiring singer played by Anya Taylor-Joy called Sandy. Um, and slowly things start to kind of get confusing and it kind of draws the line between what's actually real and what's all in her head. It's kind of like a psychological sort of horror movie, I guess. What do we all think of it? Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. Sorry, yeah, I, it was I, really I, I, good. <laughs> it was really good. This movie is really very good. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't. I mean, I really like Edgar Wright as a director. Um, I haven't seen him tackle this sort of thing before. Um, he is very much in in the realms of comedy. I suppose Baby Driver leaned a bit more into the serious uh, drama than perhaps the Cornetto trilogy. This, um, again, Chris said it had elements of comedy. It does, um, but for the most part, it is quite thriller-based. It is. Mm. It does have um, quite heavy themes in it uh, relating to, I suppose, uh, like uh, victims of sexual abuse. Um, that's kind of mostly what I took away from it, was just like how... Um, uh, women are treated or perhaps how women were treated back in i mean yeah it's it's very much a parallel to the last duel in that way but um i don't want to say this goes lighter on it but i, I will say that it's um it's more like fun just straight up fun with it um i really had a good time with it um i feel like it gets a bit eh, goofy <laughs> kind of towards the end but i'll get into it in a bit yeah yeah, I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong, I like this film, but I think I liked it definitely the least out of us three. Uh, there was something very, maybe it's just going back to like, um, you know, this whole like treatment of uh, women and stuff. I feel like it's been quite a heavy week for um, us, so to speak. But um, mm. I just, um, I don't know, it made, me, it made me just quite uncomfortable, but maybe it's because of, how it dealt with it, it's just kind of, I don't know, it just wasn't, wasn't all there for me, to be honest, but I did like pretty much everything else about the film. Yeah, I really, really loved this movie. I thought it tackled, it's kind of like almost like a Me Too sort of movie where it tackles um, just the way women are treated in the entertainment industry in such a, I think it's a really great way. So much of the movie is kind of, it starts off like glamorizing like the past and how, times have changed and how um you know all this like really great beautiful stuff that we always like think about from like the 60s in london and stuff has just kind of died and how different the times are but then it slowly starts to delve more into the fact that although we do like glamorize these these settings and like the beautiful parts of it we always forget just how horrible it was at the same time like just how corrupt and evil the entire like just that like, music industry and 
just like the general like just entertainment industry can be when you like just like look deeper behind like all the glitz and glamour and i think it tackled that in a really really good way i feel like this is another one of those films where it's saying exactly the same thing i don't feel like a lot much has changed because i feel like there are still people in that sort of industry who are like it's pretty dark let's just put it that way i mean it's probably not quite the same but i assume it's quite dark like if you know if we're getting into cases you know like similar things with like you know like things like you know like Kesha and stuff like it's that kind of thing that it just kind of brings home the idea that oh, man people just don't like women yeah fuck women and they you know? they do show that it hasn't really changed like in one of the opening scenes she's like in this taxi and like gets dropped off by her student halls but the taxi driver is like really creepy and starts like talking like very sexually to her and like waiting around in that taxi yeah waits for her says that you can't be alone at night like a young girl like that and there's like a bit where she's like a a party just trying to sleep because um her housemates having sex in their room and um there's like a guy like creepily starts trying to chat her up and there's all this like really weird stuff that kind of just shows that times haven't really changed you know what this kind of um so as I w- so, so I went to go and see this with Max, but I was like going by myself and I was feeling really anxious anyway, because I just, t- I've kind of gotten to that point of the year where like, I don't really like going out in the dark by myself because I'm a pussy, but like, I don't know. I was just getting like really anxious. I feel like that added to the weight of the film. Like I was just like, uh, fuck, this is why I don't like the situation of the world currently. Yeah. Like, I just feel like we can't do anything without like being in prejudice or something or in fear of something. And considering how bad things are in the UK, like over the last couple of months, all yeah, the, like I'm literally terrified to do anything. Currently <laughs> going on with like people being spiked and stuff. It just made the film hit really hard for yeah, me. Yeah, I think maybe that's part of the reason I didn't enjoy it was because I it just it just felt like a woman's experience is just like it's fucking shit. <laughs> it's just I not don't want to say that like the, um just saying that oh yeah nothing's changed like we're all in this it's just the same situation that we, we've been in forever and yeah we kind of that's what it is but also i, I want to be slightly optimistic in saying that we are seeing change nowadays on a greater scale than we were back in the 60s where just people yeah, didn't definitely. care i i, I really want to champion these people who could just going at it and trying to fight for you know equality and feminism and everything that we're seeing nowadays on the news it's not you know oftentimes just it doesn't get reported at all and these people get away with it but now i think we're seeing perhaps not it's it's not all that um all sunshine and daisies like and nobody no everyone is coming forward and not everyone is getting justice for th- these horrible things that have happened to them but i think nowadays we're seeing a, a bit more of a clamp down on just these things not being right at all and it, yeah I, I, I do i like seeing that nowadays oh no um, I, but I, it is I, still I, very I, I, upsetting i do kind of agree i mean it's complicated because I, I agree with what you're saying um i just feel like i don't know just I just wish it was better. I don't know. I can't I can't explain that in any other way other than I'm glad that people are waking up to things that are happening, but I just wish it was better. I really do. Yeah. I appreciate films like this tackling these subjects because I feel like a lot of directors aren't 
wouldn't be confident enough in tackling something like this especially a male director like this is like the sort of thing you definitely expect like a female director would be like fully like confident and happy to do but it's like very rare you see a male director come in and do something like this and i obviously went into the movie not really knowing loads about it so like seeing edgar wright tackling this sort of thing was like really it just like really i really enjoyed it but yeah i feel like it, it's it's also important to highlight that i know i've been bashing on a little bit but like obviously it's not about i, I hate saying the whole like not all men kind of thing but it kind of is a little bit like i don't i feel like people are more aware of like what's going on than there are people in the world who are like why are the marge like the marginal marginal the small amount of people doing it. Yeah, like that I think they're like I think men who are more aware want to come forward and be like, I am aware these things are happening. I don't like this. I want to say something about it. And I'm just like, do you know what? If that's what you want to do, I'm all here for it. If any man wants to try and tackle the subject, I'm I'm all for it actually. If I'm honest. I guess you know you could probably say, oh, well, he doesn't know how to do this. Um, it should have been directed by a woman. I think perhaps it's maybe, I don't know, better, but like, I think Edgar Wright is a good guy to tackle this kind of subject. It's just probably because of how highly regarded he is as a director. People, mm. lots of people saw this movie, and I think it's just it's better to get more eyes on it than perhaps for someone who... Uh, people don't know as well to have tackled this kind of thing just in terms of like how many people you get to talk about it yeah i feel like edgar wright's one of the like few directors around at the moment who's pretty much a household name especially yeah. in the uk like everyone knows the cornetto trilogy in this country like i said i'm big i'm a i'm a big fan so i'm i'm more than okay with it to be honest i feel like yeah the more people that see it, the more it gets s spoken about, and the more awareness it mm. kind of brings. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm all for it. Um, how did you feel about Matt Smith, Chris? Because I know you don't really like him. Uh, I don't like him either. Like a huge amount. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was really great. He was. Yeah. Was, is that what I said? I came home, and the first thing I said was, "I actually really like Matt Smith in this. I don't yeah. normally like him." The, the thing is, I, I don't like him in Doctor Who but everything else I've seen him in I thought he was alright I thought he was decent in Official Secrets he was in an episode of the newest Alan Partridge series and he was really funny in that yeah. Um, but yeah he was cool. really great in this movie I thought he was a fantastic villain he was he's kind of um, this guy who tries to take Anya Taylor-Joy under his wing he's like showing her the, the great side of the city look what I could do for you he's very um, he was very emulative of just stuff that I mean, I'm not. It's not like I've not seen it before. The, this kind of archetype, where like he's very nice to you until he, you know, you can't do what he wants you to do, and he gets mean. You know, um, it's not like an archetype I've never seen before, but I do think he pulls it off very well. He's very intimidating. I think. Yeah. The way they play with like off. the lighting with him, uh, just like how he, how they light him in a scene, or like his facial expressions are very is very good acting. I thought. Yeah, he's fucking terrifying. Yeah. He starts off like very <laughs> nice and like alluring and like you can see how she'd be like basically wept over by him before, you know, she gets to know the real him and then he becomes just a massive arsehole. <laughs>
Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to talk about the, the parts that I didn't like so much with this movie. Um, and it's kind of more to do like towards the end where there's this reveal. So we're going to go into spoilers. There's this reveal. That, so, okay. Uh, Thomas E. McKenzie's trying to find out uh, who killed Anya Taylor-Joy. And then it's revealed that she she wasn't killed. She's the one who killed all these guys. And it, it's this big reveal where it's this old woman that she's renting a room from. And I kind of already knew that's what it was going to do. Honestly, I kind of figured, yeah, she's probably Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, and it gets into this weird fucking goofy shit where she's like, yeah, I killed them all. And I put them all in my, in, the, in the walls and the floorboards and the... Um, and she's like, now I'm going to kill you for some reason. I don't know. And she gets like a knife or whatever. She's like, ha ha, ah, swipe, swipe. I'm going to kill you, Thomasine McKenzie. And they go out to this room and it's just like all these ghosts come out. And, you know, I don't have a problem with the, the ghosts of the men, I suppose. But it's more just to do with this goofy uh, climax where the old lady is just swinging a knife at her. And that's all it kind of boils down to in the end where it's, it was, it, it I was kind of watching this as like a a very serious movie about, oh, I mean, you know, you can have comedy, but like when it just, it tilts, it tilts a lot in this third <laughs> act to this reveal that just kind of becomes silly for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, this is kind of where the film completely lost me. I was like, this is how you want to end this movie? Okay, then. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. I love the ending. I thought oh, it was a lot of fun. Oh, for fuck's sake, of course you but do. Like, I can understand where you're coming from. <clears throat> it is kind of tonally all over the place. The whole time, like, her, bo- her boyfriend was, like, trapped under, on at the bottom. He, like, comes in and, and then, like, he gets stabbed immediately. And then he's like, oh, no, I've been stabbed. And the entire time, they're, like, up in this room while he's at the bottom of the stairs. I'm like, what is happening to this guy? They're having a really long talk about uh, how it wasn't uh, the old woman's fault or whatever. And Thomas C. McKenzie's like, no, I, I wouldn't tell anyone. You, you're awesome or some shit. And she's like, I'm going to kill you anyway. And then the guy's just, like, <laughs> bleeding out downstairs as the house is on fire. How the hell did he survive? Do you know what? I was thinking that as well. Like, I was expecting, um, you know, when the end came up, I was like, I was expecting, I don't know, like a nice tribute or something. No, he's just sitting there. <laughs> or at the very least, him. he's in like a wheelchair or something yeah. or he has crutches. <laughs> I actually thought he did have um, a crutch. I could be wrong. I, might have I, not, I, I thought, that's thought he was, was going to be a ghost. I thought that was going to be like the reveal. But oh, it well, turns out he wasn't see. actually oh. there. Do you know what? That would have been better because at least she's got the power to see that, I guess. Yeah, because obviously they like set up multiple times in the film that she can like see her mother. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, that would have been a way better reason. ending. That was also like a problem I had. I was like, why does she have these powers for some reason? I don't know. They never they really go into it. Yeah, I apart from the dreams, they don't really go into that, do yeah, they? Yeah, I think they kind of try and set it up that it's not really like a power. It's more that she's like mentally ill. Cause she, her mum like killed herself because she had like schizophrenia or something. So I think they kind of try and subtly set up the fact that maybe she's also mentally ill. Oh, I maybe. think they do more than subtly set it up. I think they <laughs> literally depict her as someone who has mental problems, I think. But the, where I... <clears throat> I don't want to be so down on this movie. I really like it. But these parts that kind of get to me, I just can't really get on board with. Like, yeah, no, I get Okay, that. so you like set up that she's... 
maybe has some problems mentally, fine. But then don't depict that as like a superpower. It's like, yes, schizophrenia made me more powerful than ever. I can see the past when yeah, I go to sleep. That. It's like, that's, that's stupid. I'm sorry. Darcy's just eating Pringles. She's given up on talking about the movie. I thought visually this film was really, really great. There's a lot of really creative like effects and camera work throughout that I love. Like there's like multiple bits where you see like um you got Thomas and Mackenzie like reflected in the mirror as you see like Anya Taylor Joy like walking along. And I thought all of those bits looked fantastic. So I just yeah. wanted to quickly say that it's because I've drunk too much caffeine and I haven't eaten anything. So if you hear any crunching, apologies. Yeah, I think it's about as as good as Edgar Wright's directing has gotten. Like, say for like the story itself and like the the gripes they have with it, it's very well directed. And I think he's just—it's strange to see like you know, Hot Fuzz is one of my favorite movies ever. I think that's so well directed. But just like to see him keep improving with every movie he makes, he's really like it's no wonder he's one of the best directors or like revered as one of the best directors working today. Yeah, I think Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are my favourites from him, but I do think he just keeps improving as a director, especially like on the technical level. Like there was just so much in this movie that I found so impressive, and I thought it was great. Now, there's like a murder scene, like in the past where Annie Taylor Joy murders that guy. That's like straight horror shit, where just like this knife going in and out of him. They're so well done, where just like you see her reflection in the knife. Yeah, that was really great. What did you guys think of like all the scares in the movie? Like especially with like the what ghosts. Scares? Where you got like the scares. ghosts of the like the men like with their oh, like, with no blank faces. faces um, shit, to be honest. Um I didn't care. <laughs> I mean I'm the not, scares I'm not, I'm not... I didn't really get scared by I yeah, guess that's what, like, I mean. what I affects me more about this movie is just like the themes. Um that was kind yeah. of unsettling in, in like thematically unsettling. Um the the scares when it kind of went for like a jump scare with a ghost didn't really get to me. But I do like how the ghost look where like especially towards the end where like th- their faces are quite blurred so it's like yeah it could have been anyone it's just this is just there are so many of these guys that just took advantage of her like they all kind of combined into one mass of a man with no face really i actually kind of thought you know the the bit when the two go back to the flat and they're like about to have sex and then she starts screaming that actually felt worse than the the actual scene where you're watching him get murdered yeah. I, it was just i yeah. i don't uh like when people randomly start freaking out and start screaming that's like i'm like i'm out <laughs> I, yeah. I don't like i can't deal with that no i feel very those... tormented you know yeah that's what it's yeah, very that's what... it's very upsetting to see yeah and you yeah. Ca- I, you kind of feel it though don't you like that mm. part was worse for me than watching someone get stabbed but i feel like i'm just we've seen so many like horror films and stuff now that i'm just kind of like desensitized to that whole kind of thing but people's reactions creative ways to show these things yeah i feel like ah boo a ghost okay (laughs) yeah i thought the um the blank like face like men were really creepy they kind of remind me of slender man i also did (laughs) i did like the usage of jump scares throughout i thought anytime he used them they were effective right there was never a point where i felt like it was just cheap and they were just doing it because they couldn't think of anything can you give me an example of a jump scare please 
Because I can't remember anything making me jump. Well, it's, maybe he did. I don't know, but I can't remember. Yeah, there's multiple. Like, um, mm-hmm. there's a bit where she like wakes up from the dream and she's like, okay, that's all over. And she goes to like turn off a clock and suddenly like a hand like flies down, grips onto her. Oh, that right. was like yeah. the only bit that genuinely made me jump because I wasn't expecting it at all. Go, like, and then the there's part, like, is there a part where um she wakes up, Thomas C. McKenzie wakes up, and then Matt Smith comes into the room and starts yelling at her? Yeah, that was that's that, that was bit. that was pretty horrific. I think. Yeah, that was a really like, creepy. Yeah, you thought you were out of this just because you woke up. You're not. Yeah, there was a lot of bits like that where she like thought it was all over, and then suddenly, like one of the ghosts or someone would like jump out. Mm. I like how it depicts like the inescapability of it. Yeah. Yeah, obviously I complain about jump scares a lot of the time, but I thought that this film used them very effectively. There was never a point where it just felt cheap or unnecessary for me. (laughs) Yeah, I do agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sign of a good horror director, I think. Yeah, I actually really like him. Good on him. I loved the music throughout as well, how they use a lot of like classic 60s pop music. Sorry, what was that thing that you guys argued about on his review? What was that song that you were talking about? What? The song that they play at the disco or whatever. Oh, Happy House <laughs> by oh, Susie House. and yeah, the Banshees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Chris really likes song. that song. I really hate that song, but it, I, I, maybe I'm I would sorry. like it more, but it's just, this is a song that has played a lot in like a playlist we we have at work. So I, for months and months on end, I was just hearing that song over and over and it made me hate it. So it's not <laughs> like anything inherently against the song. I think it's a fine song, but I just, I do not like it anymore. Yeah. Mm. No, I really loved that song. There's a bit where they like go to like this Halloween disco and they walk in and it's playing. Like everyone in the club's like singing along. And I was yeah. like, that's definitely not what a group of like 18 year olds would be doing. I actually don't know anyone that knows that song anyway. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm 26. <laughs> I know more people that know the weekend's version of it than the original. Yeah, but if you, oh, is it the same? Like, is it the exact same? No, it's just a sample and has oh, the same okay. chorus. Because I was going to say, because then at least you kind of would know it, if that makes sense. <laughs> no matter what version it was. <laughs> ah, well. Foiled again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we've been talking for like an hour now. Do you want to get on to ratings? Yeah, I could talk more about this movie if I had like proper notes, because this is a movie yeah. I did, like I said, really love. But yeah, happy to get to ratings. Lovely. Uh, do it out of I don't know you decide Chris <laughs> um, I don't know sorry what he asked me to pick a thing to rate it out oh sorry you were just looking at me and I was confused I was trying to think of something oh, no, okay, go I was on. just looking at you while you ate your Pringles trying to think of something I'm sorry I've had so much caffeine let's just rate no it out food of Pringles that I'm dying fine there was Pringles probably in that film somewhere in a shop at the beginning maybe <laughs> There was a bit where she went into the shop and there was like a row of energy drinks. I think you should rate it out of Coca-Colas. Yeah, Why? Coca-Colas. She had a Coca-Cola. <laughs> I, I think I paid more attention to that film than you did. Okay. Thank uh, you. Coca-Cola got stolen. And then he replaced it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I really, really loved this movie. It's great to see Edgar Wright doing something different, doing something a bit more serious. Um Apparently, it was heavily inspired by the films Don't Look Now, Repulsion, and I definitely could see that a lot in there. It's clearly heavily inspired by classic like 60s horror movies, especially British movies, and I think 
he does a good job of wearing his influences on his sleeve and kind of doing something fresh and new. Um, so yeah, I really loved the movie. I think I initially gave it like a five out of five on Letterboxd. I definitely say for me it's like a low ten, high nine um, Pringles out of ten. But I think I need another viewing before I can really solidify my rating. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> again, I had my problems. Um, doesn't take me completely out of the movie, but at the end, it kind of did. Third act in the third act um, reveal. Uh, but up until that point, I was just having a really great time. It's um, tense when it needs to be. It's funny when it needs to be, um, and it kind of just leaves you thinking i think it's a really good movie for that um and it's i'm very glad that more people are seeing this you know um perhaps it's edgar wright perhaps it's uh, the actors annie taylor joy thomas c mckenzie matt smith um all really good in the parts um and i guess yeah it was just it was marketed very well i think it was marketed uh tires to get people in the theaters i think so I was going to see it anyway, but I'm glad that more people did more eyes on it. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure yeah. how it's critically doing. I don't know if people are loving this movie or not. I, I think it seems kind of mixed. Yeah, I was going to say it's definitely mm-hmm. a mixed bag. People seem to either really like it or think it's really bleh. Yeah, it's one of those films, though. Yeah, sure. Um, I really liked it, though. So I'll give it uh, eight Coca-Colas out of ten. I'm somewhere in the middle, I would say. I didn't I didn't think it was as bad as some people made it out to be. Like I knew there were some um like reviews and stuff of people just being like, yeah, this isn't the film. This ain't it. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Cuz I quite liked it, but I didn't love it either. But then again, I didn't really know what to expect going into it anyway cuz I didn't really read up anything about it. All I know is that someone was supposed to die. Cool. Great. Um. Yeah. To be honest, I'm, I wouldn't yeah, have known that like, the trailer. Didn't oh yeah, the trailer. Yeah, I mean, there was two trailers. One that told me nothing, and the other one that spoiled everything in the film, yeah. pretty much. And the one that <laughs> showed nothing was the one that was shown like all the time. And then, like a week before the film came yeah, out, when we went exactly to it. the cinema, they showed the one that showed everything, and I was so annoyed. So, I guess in mm. that respect. Um, I'd give it seven Coca Colas. Yeah, would you watch it again? All those trailers. Would I watch it again? (sighs) Yes and no. I think I have to be in the mood to watch it again. Also, I know, Mm -hmm. I know, we're not going to be talking about this film anymore. But I've just remembered that Jocasta girl, and I would happily uppercut her. She was a bully. She was a cunt. That's what she was. Excuse me. (laughs) We all know someone like that. That's what I literally my yeah. review was. We all know a sneaky little bitch. <laughs> so I right at the start, I was like, "This is a bit stereotypical." But then I was like, mm, "No, but there are people like this." <laughs> yeah. Let's get into the meat of the episode then. Wahoo! Uh, yes, Chris, introduce on, the film. So I actually forgotten what film we watched. <laughs> wow. So we we did a free for all this week. We all picked a movie, and I picked a movie um, that I had seen before. Um, I'd been meaning to rewatch it and I was like certain that Max would really like it. So I was like, yeah, why not? Didn't know what Darcy would think. So I thought it could be interesting. I picked the film Certified Copy, directed by Abbas Kiarostami. It's a film 
um, basically about this writer called James Miller, who's a um, British writer who's just written a book on basically the value of a piece of art, like the co- a copy of the piece of art um, versus the original version of it. At a book reading, a woman called um, L, played by Juliet Binoche, sees him and basically gives him her address so they can meet up and discuss the book. So they meet up, start discussing just the various works of art found in the town and the nature of his book and the value of copies versus the original. And slowly um, their relationship starts to develop and it gets interesting to say the least. What do we all I love think that. of it? <laughs> it gets interesting to say the least. Yeah, it's kind of hard to just like say it without like fully delving into the plot of the movie. Yeah, that is true. Um, I personally uh, wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. But then again, I didn't know anything about the film. You just went, Darcy, I'm not sure you're going to like this. And I was like, hmm. And then I nearly fell asleep, but Max gave me... Uh, life juice and we call that caffeine here so thanks max because it was a good film it was worth staying up for yeah i just thought because it's like it's like an hour 40 of just talking i was like darcy could either find (laughs) this really interesting or hate it see this is the thing i think the themes and like i know like not a lot was happening but it was quite intriguing like i yeah. think it's the dynamics like the the character relationship was like really I was interesting hoping, so I was like, ah, like a lot of it's about art that maybe you'd get a lot from that i didn't take anything from the art to be honest it was literally everything else it was just the characters that made me interested to be honest who's the writing very good writing yeah. that's it um, the writing is good and the and acting it is just is kind good. of like following <laughs> these two characters talking for an hour and 40 minutes um, it would be very reminiscent of the Before Trilogy. I'm not sure if you've seen any of those movies, Darcy. Um, I haven't, but Chris said I would really like them because I found I mean, out that I like this film. If you like yeah, this movie, I've, you'll probably really like the Before Trilogy. Uh, I would agree with that. <laughs> it's, um, it's a lot to do with, uh, I guess, you know, art forgery and the distinction between the original and the forged uh, work is usually a lot cheaper. I got a lot of while well, I got like before the before trilogy vibes of just um these people talking and just roaming around the streets of Italy together. There's very much uh like before sunset or before uh, sunrise type stuff. Um, it's also I got like I don't know if you guys have seen F for Fake, the Orson Welles documentary. Yeah, love uh, that documentary. Really, <laughs> very similar in the ways it kind of talks about art forgery um where i I feel very strongly that art is quite um it's at least like contemporary art can be sold for a lot of money and oftentimes it's not warranted because you could make an exact replica and you could sell it for a fraction of the price um i think i sent you guys like a thing the other day where like a guy had printed out an uh, he got he bought like an Andy Warhol print or something, and it goes oh, and for like so much money. It. And he just printed it out a thousand times, um, nine hundred ninety nine times, and then he mixed the original in with the the these fakes, these printed copies, and he sold them f- all for the same amount of money. Wherein any one of them could have been the original, and so- in that case, like. 
they they all were the original technically. Yeah. Wait. So did any uh, the people that bought them? Did they know that what they they were fake? Quote unquote. Because obviously one of them's real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean that's. I like that idea though because it te- yeah it technically is an original. It's just a copy of an original. Oh no! Yeah, ah, I see that's what we're kind doing of what here. The film like heavily <laughs> delves into like the idea of what really separates a copy from an original. It's just kind of mm-hmm. all about you know your own perception and interpretation of it. And that kind of extends. I f- so we're looking at these two people talking. You're never looking at a real relationship. It's a fabrication. But these these people are trying. They're pretending to to be married, and they're kind of getting into these arguments. And um, like a real married couple would, or just trying to interact like a married couple would, kind of just for fun, I guess. Um, sometimes it could lend itself to being a, uh, quite good. Sometimes I felt like uh, it, it was a bit like forced or a bit too much. Uh, at times but generally I found it quite interesting um, but I feel like you're never looking at a real relationship within the movie this relationship is fabricated they, they're they not actually married they've just met um, it's, it's a fabrication much the way all movies are I feel like it extends to just the, the craft of filmmaking um, both fiction and non-fiction you, it's, it's a copy it's you know Non-fiction is just a copy of like, and everything has an original. It's always taking from something. So you're never watching just like the, the I feel a lot of discussion in this movie is about um, like originals. You know, you're always taking from something. Um, if you write a book, if you uh, write or direct a movie, uh, if, if you paint a picture, you're always, um, he, I think he says, there's a picture of a woman, but the, the image of the woman is not the painted picture of the woman is not the original piece. The original piece would be the the woman herself. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the film also kind of, I don't know if you guys agree. It kind of feels like it tackles just the general idea of like originality and like individualism. Like the fact that um, even like original pieces of art, everything's inspired by something. Nothing is truly original and, lens from nothing in the world i don't know how many times i've actually said that i'm not uh, not from this film in general but literally nothing is original yeah how can it be that everything's been done or everything is a inspiration of something else and i think that for me is why there's never a point where i feel like it is too similar to like the before trilogy because like in structure and like the, the way it's delivered it is basically the exact same but the fact that it is kind of has all these messages about how nothing is really original and how everything kind of takes from other things that kind of made me forgive the movie for being that similar i think yeah no i agree it's not like i wasn't thinking about the before trilogy the entire time i was just like because it is very much its own thing and because it's trying to say that nothing's technically original i suppose to compare it to something that already exists is kind of what it's making you do in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, it wants you to do it. <laughs> There's also like a lot of examination. I don't know how much you guys got from this, but between uh, just this, this, uh, this examination of the dichotomy between men and women and the institutions yeah. of marriage, they're going around this place. A lot of people are getting married. And I guess they kind of come to blows a bit and they actually get into like... <clears throat> I suppose they might be fake arguments, but I just don't know. And I think that's what makes it all the more intriguing when they actually do get into arguments and like uh, 
James will get up from the table and he'll leave or he'll be frustrated or she'll, uh, Elle will uh, actually just tell him off or like get really mad at him, you know. Um, I just think there's a lot to do with relationships between people and maybe not specifically marriage, but I think uh, there's a lot to do with marriage. Yeah. I, f- I also kind of got um, the idea that like everyone is kind of the same like no one is completely unique and unlike anyone like there's that scene where they go in there's like this this couple getting married and like the woman goes in and says that it's their like anniversary and like the people getting married are like adamant on getting them in to take a picture and as soon as he gets up to go in and take a picture like another bride sits down it's almost like a convey about how everyone is kind of going through the same things and doing the same things that each other are doing no one's like completely unique and doing something completely different to everyone else. Well, no, mm. I mean, <clears throat> and I, I like yeah. that shot as well when the new bride kind of sits down. She yeah. looks quite tense. She looks, she like, looks she like she doesn't want to be there. Yeah, yeah. Um, really good, a lot. really good shot, and that was a really long shot as well. Um, I don't know. Is it in this movie where they're talking about? how couples have the same arguments no couple is like completely unique because everyone's having the exact same conversation probably yeah (laughs) it probably was that really resonated with me as well because i think i've often been in arguments with um i guess in relationships where i feel like i'm just saying the exact same thing over and over again and i've I don't know if I could draw parallels. I mean, I've not been in so many relationships as to say that I could draw parallels between the way I've argued with people, I guess. Um, But I I feel like there's a lot to be said about how people are often the same in the way that they argue or perhaps even in the way that they they exhibit or show love um, and how they interact. I guess we're just, we're not completely, we're not as different as we all say we are um i guess there's an idea of soulmates but at the same time what is what is different between your relationship and someone else's i guess crucially it might be the same thing um and the 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 things you talk about you know everybody everybody's unique in a sense that they have their own interests and they they're obviously going to talk about different things but when it comes down to it uh, we're all basically talking about the same things generally yeah definitely i think visually i really love a lot of the movie (laughs) and how it uses like reflections in scenes like there's like there's a bit where um like it's when i think james and l first meet and like you see i think it's l standing there and there's like a reflection of james like stood that's what she can see there's a great shot where they're like driving through the town you see like the reflections of like the buildings like surrounding them coming down onto the car that kind of just like also leads into the whole idea of you know things being copied and nothing being original and how it's all down to how we like look at it and perceive it yeah i like that they they kind of shot it from outside the car as they're having the conversation so you do see yeah. the reflection of the scenes uh, that are around them that are going through the streets oh yeah, that um, was cool 
who was who was um I mean if they just filmed it like inside the car it would have taken away from that um and I think that's a good way to show forward momentum not only just mm. in the fact that they are driving they are literally showing forward momentum with the car but also the story itself is being taken in such a direction yeah definitely and like the usage of like reflections and things being seen through glass because there's quite a lot of those shots where there's characters behind frames of glass that kind of like leads into the this idea of how even that isn't like technically there it's just a copy of what's actually there and how we look at it like it is like just the real thing when technically it's not mm-hmm. they're also relating art reproduction to human reproduction yeah you know, a lot from it's like um i forget what they say exactly but it was, it was quite interesting to, to feel that there was a comparison between the replication of art in terms of like copying things and like just actually having children or babies and like just actually reproducing where we're, I guess we're talking a lot today in this episode about things not really changing over time I feel like that's kind of what it's getting at as well yeah 100% I think that is and I feel like there's there's often uh, themes of I guess the dichotomy between women and men there's like Elle is a woman who can speak a lot of languages clearly she very speaks she she's, she very speaks yeah well done Max um, she <laughs> speaks a lot of languages fluently English she can speak fluently uh, French Italian um, but I but James kind of can't he can kind of speak a bit of French he can have a bit of a conversation in French but he's not fluent in anything but the English uses his native tongue and I feel that speaks to the experience of I guess women who have had to work even harder than men to get like I don't know half as far in some cases yeah I didn't think of that but yeah I can 100% see that <clears throat> what is it with all these films being about how men are shit but yeah I mean, maybe it's just well, like our interpretation I don't know <laughs> but he was kind of a dick he was kind of a dick. What that James yeah, guy? The movie. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was like, I, I really liked him in the beginning, and then like the longer the film went on, I was like, bloody hell, what an arsehole. Kind of born with yeah. a silver spoon in his mouth or something. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, he doesn't actually have to try that hard. He doesn't have to learn all these languages because people just accommodate him, and they could speak in English to him. Yeah, and when you get to like the arguments in the like the last half of the movie, although it is. It's fake, but you kind of like are made to perceive it as if it is a real argument. I feel like in all of them, I felt like he was in the wrong pretty much every yeah. single time. I I was I was actually starting to confuse whether they were actually married or not. My I just could I couldn't comprehend it. Yeah, why would, why would they why would they make it up? I'm confused. Yeah, for me, I've kind of like got the idea that maybe as soon as like their L's talking to this like waitress in this restaurant about them being married it, they kind of like it kind of like almost delves into what she's like imagining what it could possibly be like if this like fake story that she's just created up um just for a bit of fun was actually real and if they were married for as long as they were and they were living the lives that she made up that she they were 
Yeah. Um, it's interesting you say that, Darcy. Um, why would they make it up? Why would they act as though they were married? Um, and I kind of felt that as well. But as the movie went on and its themes became more clearer, it, it was very fitting. Yeah, tell me. You know, it's, it's like, <coughs> yeah, it's not a real relationship. Why would they make it up? But then that's film, right? Why would you make this story exactly. up? Why would you uh, show this to us? Because we get lost in fiction and we get lost in the lives of people who are not real. You know, that's acting um, and that's making a film. Why do we get so invested in filmmaking if, if it's not even real at all? You know, um, and I guess that also extends to like nonfiction film as well. You know, uh, you'd say movies based on true stories, you know, they're not, nothing's going to get everything completely right. Even documentaries don't, they're not actually the, the, what happened, you know, um, if, if you go for like recreation, you're only telling, you're not telling the original story, you know? So why do oh, we well. get so invested <laughs> in these characters' lives that aren't real? I guess if, if it just came at us from a point where we understood that these characters were married, perhaps, uh, and then, then they were actually getting into these conversations and arguments with each other and, um, actually feeling this way are they feeling this way maybe half the time they are maybe half the time they're not but we don't know and i think that's the the beauty of this movie is that it kind of it blurs the line between what's real and what's fake but at the end of the day i don't think it matters because the movie itself is depicting characters that aren't real in real life yeah this feels very meta <laughs> it is a very very <clears throat> deep movie <clears throat> That's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to pick it, because I knew we could get something interesting from it. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think about the ending? You know me, I like to be spoon-fed an ending if you're going to do that so shit they go, to Yeah, me. they go to like <coughs> this hotel where they say, this is where we spent our anniversary uh, mm-hmm. so-and-so years ago. But of course they didn't, because they, they only met each other like yesterday or today. Um, and they go into this room, and... Um, I think there's a great line where I think James says, if we were a bit more tolerant of each other's weaknesses, we'd be less alone. We're like, oh, yes, that's fantastic. Really yeah. good writing. Um, it really resonated with me. And then he goes into the bathroom, you know, looks at himself in the mirror, and then he leaves, but the shot just kind of holds and then it ends. And then, while I was thinking, I was like, yeah, this kind of, this is like a movie that could end any time and you'd just be like, yeah, okay. So I don't know what you guys got out of the ending. Oh, uh, well, I said it, I said it when we originally watched it. I went, this shot has been on there for too long. I know it's going to end. And because he just, he, he just moved slightly and there was like a window and I went, it's going to fucking end right there. And what happened? <laughs> Text pops up and I went, okay, it's over. Yeah, I cool. I do like that it kind of leaves it all up to your interpretation. Like you can, it's all up to you whether whether they carried on this relationship and actually started something, and he stayed and like missed this like train he was supposed to get, or whether he left. Then, I mean, I d- <sighs> see. Part of me loves that because I can just sort of go. Yeah, I can make up whatever I want. But another part of me just really was curious and I just really wanted to know. And I think with a lot of films, when they end abruptly, I'm like, oh, I really wanted to know what happened, but I'll never know. Sometimes a movie just ends and you're like, they don't know. 
they didn't yeah, even have it. They, they don't yeah. know what happens. <laughs> like, no, they it's didn't. all up to interpretation. It's like, you don't know. Yeah, but you that's just end what... it here. <laughs> I don't feel like that's moment. what happens in this movie, though. I feel like it's a lot more purposeful. And while I, I, I'm f- fine with admitting I don't exactly know what really happened, um, I like that it leaves it a bit more ambiguous for you to kind of put your own meaning into it. So perhaps that's something uh, that, that I get more from on a second watch. Yeah, because so much of the movie is kind of how we perceive things, you know, how we perceive like original stuff versus copies. So I feel like the idea of having this really ambiguous ending that doesn't really, really give you any closure at all, it kind of lets you perceive your own ending. It's very fitting, isn't it? I think it is very fitting (laughs) for what they're trying to do with the movie. In this film, I guess it ties into like, you know, in life, there are no like, there are no happy endings when you yeah. tell a story like this. It's like, oh, and they got married and lived happily ever after. That's not what happens because life just goes on, you know. So I guess that's, that's also what I was getting at. <clears throat> yeah. The movies aren't really, a lot of the time movies are just like a, just a snapshot of someone's life. Like a lot of the time you don't have, you don't really see how everything goes on. They never show you what happens after the movie. And that's kind of, feel like it's very fitting for this film to just kind of end like that not giving you mm-hmm. any closure not showing you what happens afterwards because none of that's really relevant no i suppose yeah. when it's all sort of made up anyway what difference does it make you kind of make it up anyway there was a really great moment when like they get talking to this older couple and i guess they introduce themselves as as they're married and I, this is a point where um they're kind of arguing with each other over this statue where like the statue is of this man like holding a woman and um <clears throat> Elle is saying oh look you know he's he's protecting uh his lady and uh he's immortalized in stone and then James says uh something like oh he's protecting his woman you don't get immortalized for that and it's i guess that's kind of speaks to his thoughts on I guess relationships and marriage as a whole, like the uh, the institutions of marriage, which I also feel is very prevalent in the movie. Um, and she's very upset that he kind of feels the like this isn't something to strive for. Like the the just uh, being there for someone you love is not enough to immortalize you. Um, even though you know, I feel very strongly that it is. Um, maybe not. You know, you don't get statues of that kind of thing, but at the same time, it's. Uh, perhaps it just means more to the individuals that actually live these experiences and then they meet this old couple and they get talking as they're kind of arguing a bit they're not very happy with each other at this point and this old man says he says to james all she wants is for you to walk beside her and put your hand on her shoulder and then and then he does it and i almost cried because it's it's this small moment but it means everything in the context of the scene that we've just seen yeah i was the same it hits me every time it's such a great great scene because sometimes that's all it takes to like end an argument really it's just like to put pettiness aside and the urge to be right and just make up you know and trying to admit when you're wrong yeah yeah definitely i love the um lack of music throughout it kind of just makes like the soundtracks just basically the ambient sounds of italy and i think it 
it really is great. I think it adds a lot of atmosphere. Just may want to go back to Italy, to be honest. Yeah. Well, Italy's a, I guess, you know, I've been to Italy a couple of times. Only there's a place in Italy you can go where you can't get just like really nice shots. It's a very picturesque (laughs) country in and of itself. Yeah, and it does look really beautiful. There's a lot of really great settings all throughout. Yeah, I've I've only been to Florence and I've driven through Tuscany, but there are some. It's it's just a really pretty place. But I might be biased because like Florence is basically just all yellow. Hmm. Gorgeous. Yeah, really nice. Just scenery and uh, mm. shot composition. I think, especially when the like the framing is really good. Especially when they just like sat down. It's like just dead center on their faces and profiles. Is really is really good looking. Yeah, it's a lot of shots of like almost like the characters looking at us, which apparently yeah. Abbas Kiarostami intentionally did because he kind of wanted he kind of wanted the people of of each gender to kind of look at it and almost feel like they're being talked to and being made to realize their own personal faults. Yeah, it's like a mirror. Which also ties again into just the amount of like reflections in this movie. Yeah, it's like it's that these characters are like reflections of us, and now we perceive ourselves, I suppose, or like it kind of brings you face to face with like the parts that maybe you don't want to think about so much, or the parts that you could improve on. Um, something we haven't brought up yet that I just wanted to mention quickly was um mm-hmm. really fantastic acting throughout. It's basically just a a two-piece is just um, Juliet Binoche and William Schimmel, and both are fantastic in this movie. Yeah, really, really good acting, and a lot of like just really long takes to showcase that as well. Yeah, they, these are just really fantastic actors. I don't think I've seen um, uh, the guy before, William. Yeah, he yeah, hasn't. Man. I think he's mostly done stage stuff. I looked up his filmography, and he he's in um, a more than. Mikhail Haneke movie and that's about right. it yeah but I really love uh, Juliette Binoche she's a fantastic yeah. actor she is really great she's been great in everything I've seen her in mm. and just like really good performances as well from just like people who come and go from uh, scenes and they're really there for a couple of minutes but they give the characters uh, what they need to and then they move on yeah Definitely. Although I do feel like the actor who plays a son can be a little bit ropey, but oh yeah, I what do you about expect that guy. Yeah, from mm. child acting. Yeah, it was a bit. Wait, who? Mm, the oh, kid. the kid. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he was interesting, but he was only in it for like five minutes. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess he was arguing like, like, like it came across as like just adults arguing with each other. Whereas I feel like she shouldn't have been like so upset by him because he's just a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, well. Are we oh, well. good Good to go into ratings then? Sure. Yes. Um, should we rate this out of um, corked wines? Corked so that, wines? Yeah. It's that bit where he drinks the wine, he's like, it's corked. Yeah. He was pissed. Oh, that's, a great, that's a great scene. Yeah. He was he pissed. He just like, blows up at just like the wine being bad or something. It's like, dude, get a grip. Honestly. <laughs> He's like, I told the waiter and now he won't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) He's ignoring me. (laughs) Yeah, really incredible movie. I I loved it a lot the first time I watched it and loved it even more this time around. I just got so much more from it and I imagine it's a movie that 
every time I watch it, I'll pick up more things because it's a very, very multifaceted movie full of layers like a good onion, as we always say. Fantastic <laughs> writing, say. directing and <laughs> acting. I really want to watch more Abbas Kiarostami movies because um, I've seen this in close up and really loved both. Going to give this um, mm. 10 corked wines out of 10. <laughs> corked yeah. wine? Uh, I've seen Taste of Charity before, and that's a really good movie. Yeah, um, I really so I recommend that, that as well. Um, and this is also very, very good. Um, I, I, I don't know because I guess my main criticism was that it felt uh, like things that I'd seen before. But if that's kind of what it's going for in the first place, I guess I don't really have many criticisms to put against it. Um, all the conversations are very interesting you know there's not really a point where i felt bored at all because it's just really good writing and performances um and i was kind of feeling tired but that's just because it was a long day i guess um and i also had to like have a coffee with darcy as well because <laughs> we're feeling it um i would like to watch it again though i really enjoyed it and <clears throat> yeah i think for now i'll give it eight uh, corked wines out of 10 yeah I feel like um, this is something that you can't just watch once but then I guess you can't just watch it twice or three times I feel like you're never really going to truly get everything out of it that they probably want you to get out of it I feel like it's one of those things that just it just I'm not going to say onions because I I don't like onions first off but there is a <laughs> layer element to it that I will agree with um, also, I would like to be in a better headspace where I'm not half asleep um, because for the first like 10 minutes or so, I actually thought it was going to be like the most boring movie on earth. And then something just sort of like clicked. I think it was when they got in the car and they were like talking about the book and I was like, oh, actually stuff is happening now. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think I might watch it again um, when I'm not tired. Um, for now... Um, I'm going to give it an 8 corked wines out of 10. Awesome. Now we're getting into my pick. I picked a movie that is a musical, and I thought, I've recommended some bad musicals in the past. Recommended Repo. Recommended Shrek the Musical. I mean, I never picked them because like, I thought they were good. Um, I just thought it'd be a laugh. Um, but unfortunately, we watched like both of those musicals at home on our own, so I guess it wasn't as much of a laugh as as I wanted it to be. Yeah, it would um, have been much more entertaining if we watched them together and could yeah. like actually laugh at it. You say this laugh, one, the musical is not funny. This one we did watch <laughs> together. I was like, well, I'm going to recommend a good musical. And I've recommended perhaps the best. Not to toot my own horn, but uh, it just is. So it is a 1952 movie directed uh, by <clears throat> Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly. And it is it is called Singing in the Rain. And this is a movie. This is a movie about, um, I guess it's all about cinema and the transition from silent films to talkies, where everyone's talking. People are having trouble adapting to it. Uh, you got Don... Who, uh, who's who's a guy who's really prolific in the uh, silent film industry, and uh, he's often cast alongside uh, Lena, who's uh, this uh, very beautiful woman. But she has a very irritating voice, so I guess she's very <laughs> suited to silent movies. Um, 
It's like, what's the term? She has a voice for radio, but the opposite. Uh, and as this transition is made into uh, t- talking films, I'm making a talking movie now. And, um, you know, Don has a good voice for, for the singing part, but Lena does not. She sounds terrible. So uh, Don brings in Kathy, who he, who he met through um, strange circumstances. We'll get into that. Uh, to be Lena's voice uh, without Lena knowing. And I suppose it's about uh, below, I guess, what's on the surface about cinema as we know it today, um, both in terms of like just talking movies and colour as well. Um, This was made, I think, in kind of a time where colour was quite new to film and it uses colour just to to its full potential here. and it's music. It's got music in it. And this is some of the best music ever written for a movie. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, what do you guys think? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That's Darcy's full review. Just yes. Well, I got excited when Max mentioned it because I was like, oh, I fucking love that song, Singing in the Rain. I was like, I can't wait to hear it. And it comes up a couple of times in the film and usually when this happens in a film like it happened in Whisper of the Heart and there's another film I can't think of right on top of my head but it's happened before where they repeat the same song over and over and I get sick of it but this one was different this one gets stuck in your head and it stays there all day and it's great and it cheered me up because I was really tired and it brought me back to life rejuvenated me it was like a wholesome hug I fucking love this movie yeah, I kind of wasn't sure what to expect because I, I hadn't really seen many like, I haven't really seen any like classic like musicals from this time, so I kind of like had an image of what they'd be, and I wasn't sure I was going to like it at all until I watched um, La La Land a couple of years ago, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll actually like enjoy this, but I was still kind of hesitant, so I tried to be as like open-minded as possible trying not to go in with a bar has been the back of my head. I was kind of like, I'm not sure I'm going to like this, but I was surprised at how much I really enjoyed the entire movie. It was a lot of fun. It is. This is like everything a movie should be for me. It's, you know, on the technical side, stunning, um, really well made, really good songs. If you're going for like a musical, this is like what you should aspire to. Every song is fantastic. And overall, I think, you know, it's a very funny movie. It's very surprising how funny it is. And the humor just really works. This is so much fun. It's just a really fun movie. I couldn't believe how well the comedy holds up. Yeah. Like, so many comedy movies, like, pre, like, 70s and 80s. Like, you watch them now and it's really, really dated. Like, maybe it's still kind of funny, but it is very of its time. Yeah, I thought it was going to be cringe. This, the comedy in it, it's like, you could easily do some most of the jokes today and they would still mm. be really funny. Like the comedy has aged perfectly. I liked um what's his name? Cosmo. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, I thought, oh Jesus Christ, I thought I wasn't gonna like him because he I don't know, you know when they put comic relief in and there's almost too much of that? Yeah, but- he's like he's a very like 
I guess like abrasive character almost. Yeah. Like he's very mm-hmm. loud and hyper constantly. But he was, I actually really liked him. Like he was quite impressive. I think I didn't really start really liking him until he did that Make Him Laugh song where he was just like, mm, yeah. he was everywhere. Like that man is a machine. That was a crazy song. Fuck? Like the amount of energy that you need to do that. Yeah, the amount of like, dancing. He's like oh running God. up walls and doing backflips. He's like, doing all this shit and it's like <laughs> ridiculous i was impressed i was like holy shit <laughs> it was very slapsticky you know? yeah a lot of just really great physical performances in this movie and especially with make them laugh it kind of reminded me of like buster keaton or those early buster keaton movies yeah just going, going off it yeah it's like i think his entire performance is very much like a, almost a love letter to that like silent movie comedic style like Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin that sort of thing yeah I saw you writing the note and then you spelled Charlie wrong and I was like me and Max were just like looking over your shoulder as you were like <laughs> writing stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and then Chris like got up and went to the toilet when singing in the rain came on the right, song. Can... yeah I'm going to turn again for this because it pissed me off I was like halfway through the song you could have just waited no, an extra I'll, minute the only reason i went then is because i've seen that scene loads and loads of times so i was like okay this is a bit that i actually like know really well right. so it's not like i'm missing something if right. i go to the toilet now right but listen right we paused it for you and then you had the audacity to do it halfway through the scene you couldn't have just done it before you knew the scene was happening why don't you yeah, just do it at i the didn't beginning? think you'd pause it because i was like i've seen this bit before i thought you'd just carry on well no nope. me and me and Max were vibing. We were having a great fucking time. And then you went, I'm going to go to the toilet. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> well, besides that, it's a fantastic song, a fantastic scene. Really yeah. good set Oh, piece. it's great. I love it. It's really one of the most song, yeah. famous scenes in any film. Literally, I've yeah. heard that song and seen many renditions of people like mimicking it, I suppose. Yeah. My favourite one being in Keenan and Cal, where they're doing it and it's like orange soda. I like how that was the first thing that you said. Like, we were just watching yeah. it, and he went, This reminds me of that Keenan and Kel episode. And I was like, What? It's because I used to love that show, and that's like one of the only bits in that show that like really sticks out in my mind because I thought it was just so funny. I mean, it's really raining down heavy. I guess, like, I suppose they were using a rain machine, um, this excessive amount of rain. And uh, Don, played by Gene Kelly, he's just, he's just having fun. He's really um like high on life. He's decided I'm gonna make a musical. It's gonna be a talking musical, and we're gonna sing. And then um he goes out into the rain with his umbrella and just a really great set piece, great choreography, spinning around, doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's just really lovely to watch. Surprising he didn't get really sick from that though. It was a lot, wasn't yeah. it? It was just a lot of. Ooh. That was me spinning my hand, by the way. <laughs> yeah. He, he could have got like hypothermia or something. You know, it gives his umbrella away and he's like, I don't need this umbrella. Here, you take it. Like, Whoa. This guy's a nutter. The way he was dancing with it, that umbrella was basically useless anyway. Like he was, <laughs> he was just getting soaked anyway. Yes. Well, it was like a prop. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He was like, fuck it. <laughs> A lot of things they use to just like props, and uh, uh, there's a lot uh, in this movie where where I think the acting is fantastic, really good acting. But I think they ham it up a lot. Um, there's just people who talk really, really fast, just without t- stopping, without taking yeah. a breath. It's like, oh yes, 
this is showbiz baby this is yeah. exactly what i want to see from this kind of movie that's trying to uh, capture cinema in such a way so as to give it a, a bit more flamboyance and a bit more pizzazz you know it's very mm. you know it, it has to be a musical if it's not a musical and they had this kind of energy throughout it would it would take something away from it yeah definitely i think they do a great job of like portraying hollywood at this time as well like showing how the studio system works and how like audiences react to film and stuff and like audience trends and all this stuff i think it so it really handles it well i really like that bit where um they're about to do the uh they're about to film the film um, just before it becomes a musical and they're going through like the studio sets and then you see like the other films that are being filmed at the same time and how they do it with like the big screens and stuff because obviously they didn't have the technology back then so they're just putting a projector on and then they have like this static car and stuff I just thought it was really cool very interesting mm -hmm. I don't know if there's been a time in cinema where the shift has been on such a massive scale where just everything has to change because you're going from silent movies where nobody's talking to movies as we see them now where people are talking and you have to account no. for, you know, microphones and mm. uh, all these things that kind of f can fuck with you when I, you're making a movie. I did like that bit where the guy's on the, uh, where he's introducing what a talkie would look like and everyone's like, oh, but you're over here. And he goes, yeah, I'm talking into the microphone and everyone's like, what? This is not, this won't catch on. What's a talkie? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I feel like there's been a lot of uh, moments in history, like film history, where there's been like big trends that have kind of changed a lot of what's going to happen, but not completely like reinvented the entire industry. Like the only one recently I can think of off the top of my head is like when 3D became a huge thing in like the late 2000s early <laughs> 2010s where like every film was suddenly in 3d yeah I wish but, that, like, that wasn't like <laughs> going from sound to or from silent to sound where suddenly everything had to change and it was like there was no room for the old medium anymore i mean personally, it also didn't catch on yeah. Because when you make a film in 3D, I suppose there's a lot that has to change from when you make a film that's not 3D. But I, I guess that's kind of just a fad that happened. Yeah. You can still see films in 3D, which I found out yeah. the other day. I had no clue. But when I was trying to like find an IMAX screening of Dune, I found out they were showing it in 3D. Oh, yeah. like um, They tried to do 4D at one point, didn't they? And I don't think that caught on like at all. Um, there's still cinemas that do it. Oh, they do? Yeah, where like your seat like rumbles and stuff, yeah, you and get, like, like sprays you with yeah, shit. I just, I mean, not to be that kind of person, but if I'm at the cinema, I know I'm at a cinema. Don't spray me with water. I know where yeah. I am. Just kind of ruins the experience. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to watch it. Because that sort of thing's like a gimmick, whereas sounds like integral to telling a yeah, story. Yeah, that is true. I feel like silent movies moving on to talkies, quote unquote was probably one of the best things to ever happen yeah i think it the film does a good job of like capturing the excitement but also kind of paranoia of that like transition how like a lot of people are like really excited for this thing and some people are like it's just a fad it's never going to catch on and some people are like what does this mean for us we're like fucks now and all this yeah. stuff 
you get like uh, a lot of actors who just couldn't hack it. Uh, they have to stop. Uh, you get this mass employment of diction coaches trying to teach people how to speak properly. Um, it's very funny when like you can see that Don's really getting into it, but L- Lena is clearly just terrible at it because her voice I is so nasally and high. <laughs> I can't stand him. <laughs> no, I can't stand him. I can't stand him. It's like, oh, she's so annoying. <laughs> but her performance, um, oh, who plays her? Come on, I've got to fuck this up. Gene uh, Jean, Jean Hagen, fantastic performance. She's yeah, so she's like, really she, she's so like bumbly and very like easy to detest, but in a way that's super fun. Yeah. My favorite scene in the whole movie is when they're like first trying to shoot with her using the microphone and they're trying to like find the perfect spot for the microphone. And like the director's like, you got to speak into the microphone here. And like, he goes back into the audio booth and like, you can't <laughs> hear her. <laughs> or like she like moves around you can hear her like briefly like say something and then she moves away and then they like put yeah. the microphone into a brooch and like can still only hear like a bit of it and they find the perfect spot for it and then like someone yanks the cable and like rips her onto the ground yeah. which is like a really really funny scene <laughs> it's like, this is a health and safety hazard so he just like yanks it out and she comes crashing down yeah I think you could good. imagine that probably happening because like imagine how um, well not necessarily with like people talking into a microphone but it must have been quite difficult to do a placement on a microphone that's like yay big you know mm. she has yeah. like no awareness whatsoever she's no. just <laughs> completely in her own head she's the, the star of the show you know she doesn't even realise that like her and Don's relationship is not real it's just an act um and Don just really doesn't like Lena at all. No. And I think that's kind of commenting on like, even just back in the day, just like fake relationships of, of actors who maybe they look pretty together for the public, but they just aren't suited. Like I was thinking about that um, when we were watching it. I thought, like, you know how they have to like um, pretend that they're together and like kiss on screen and stuff like that. There are genuinely like actors like that though, aren't there? Where they don't, get on at all and they have to work together I would find that so difficult yeah. especially if I really didn't like them yeah like um, in the <laughs> X-Files where the two leads got married and then got divorced within the span of the show so they <laughs> hated each other for the last couple seasons oh Jesus mm. that's a lot when, <laughs> when you're performing like that maybe you can mm. develop emotions that aren't actually real you know and you're like really getting into the characters yeah, maybe they didn't like each other. They just thought they did. I like the introduction of Kathy. Um, this is one who can. She's really good at singing. She's uh, very pretty, and I think Kathy Selden, she's played by Debbie Reynolds, a really great performance. Um, I like the way she's introduced. Where like, yeah, <laughs> Don's like, I'm, uh, I've got to go. So he, he he's trying to get away from like people swamping him for autographs so he like jumps onto a tram and then he, he runs across the tram that's going across the road and then he jumps into Kathy's car I'm like holy shit that, that was like that was some Buster Keaton shit right there but it's also like really scary for, yeah, especially for her I was like <laughs> yeah just uh, choreography wise really good uh, 
in terms of the stunt choreography and but like just for her to have this random dude just jump into her car that's that's crazy and then like she has to pull over and the police the policeman's there and he's like Oh, you're Don Lockwood. I love you, man. And and he's just like, you're a very lucky lady. And then he just walks on. <laughs> so fucking stupid. She says oh, that Don's yeah. not a real actor because he's in the movies and not on the stage where people could hear him. That was quite that. interesting. Yeah. That's kind of where I thought the film was going to be going. I didn't actually know the plot of the movie before watching it. So I was like, oh, is it going to be like him trying to prove himself as a serious actor? But it wasn't really that at all. No, but he kind of does. Yeah, he basically yeah, he, makes this movie. Yeah, he has yeah. that crisis of confidence, doesn't he? When the talkie goes wrong, and he's like, "Oh no, I'm finished," and everyone's like, "No, you're not." Making it into a musical, and he's like, "Of course." Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the introduction of sound into film, I think, kind of pr- made actors like state like film actors have to actually be better at their job. And that's why a lot mm-hmm. of the silent film stars couldn't do it because they weren't really good actors. Yeah. Ooh. Just going to say that I love it one more time because I did. Really, really creative <laughs> visuals throughout. There's like loads of bits where I was genuinely like in like awe of how like incredible some of the like effects look like a lot of really great visual effects and it's like there's like i was bits where i was like how the fuck were they able to do that in like the 50s yeah it's like poured in color every there's like no single set piece that i feel is bad or even like just sign it's all fantastic there's this huge sequence um what is it? The song Gotta Dance. Gotta Dance. So they sing like Gotta Dance. It's a really good song with fabulous sets using so much colour. Even though like this is kind of like a dream, I guess. Um, I, I like the way that they use colour within the, the, the movie that they're making within this movie. Even though it's going to be translated into black and white, they still really want it to be vibrant as, as, they, as vibrant as they can make it. Um... And this is this just super long dance sequence, basically, when there's no singing whatsoever, but it's all reliant on these big group performances, this great uh, uh, group dance that uh, Don's kind of leading, and it looks fantastic. Yeah, and it leads into that really, really beautiful shot of um, where it's like just a completely empty room with like this white staircase, <laughs> and it's like one of them standing there like with his arms open and the girl like stood at the top of the staircase like and it just hangs on that shot this really like empty huge shot yeah See, I'm, I'm glad that you guys like that because personally I started to stop understanding what was going on for a minute because I think it just went on for a while and I yeah, was like I was a little bit confused as to what was happening I had to <laughs> yeah. read up what actually was happening because I I stopped I paying attention for a couple minutes because I was like, on my phone making notes. No, I looked up and I was like, what the fuck's going on now? That's pretty much what happened to me. I looked up and I went, okay, well, uh, okay, okay, sure. Well, um, I guess within this dance sequence, it's trying to tell a story. Um, it's yeah. very good, I think, the, the music and the choreography at telling story uh, where within this one part, I suppose, uh, he sees a woman across the, the room 
and they kind of lock eyes and then it goes into this elaborate sequence where uh, they're in this set that's kind of like in the clouds it's all like pink and fluffy and like the kind of it's the set and the backdrop are used in such a way so as to make it seem like it's going on forever i really like that i think this sequence was used to portray like love at first sight like they see each other from across the room and it's only those two in in this uh one space together and you're kind of watching them just dance really um yeah and through the dance you know you communicate what they're feeling yeah definitely um do we have anything else to add to the movie um, yeah probably <laughs> I'm having one of those like brain fart kind of moments where I feel like I've said everything but then mm-hmm. we'll get to rating it and I'll go it, oh yeah, it's like, this thing it's the kind of movie where like you, you want to talk about all the songs and all the set pieces but I, I, there's just so much to yeah, you'll be there go into ever, I don't want to talk about like. everything that the movie does I feel like you should just probably watch it um, <laughs> you should watch it <laughs> I like how yeah. Kind of Kathy gets her credit pulled because Lena threatens to sue. And then Lena becomes this like Bond villain. She's like, oh, you know, I'm the star of the show. You're not kicking me out. This is going to be the Lena, Lena uh, productions now. Ha ha. Like, wow. <laughs> it's a really good performance, but it's also like, it's so hammy. It's just really mm. cranking that dial up to 11. Um, but I think it, within the context of the movie, it works, you know? Um, yeah, I feel like if you did that in any other film, it might not have worked. Yeah. But it's, Cause it's just because it's her. She's yeah, her. <laughs> she's this woman who like people are trying to aspire to to be, you know, like all the women want to be her, they see her on the uh the silent movies. This is like a line where like a w- woman's watching the movie with her friend, she's like, She's so refined, I think I'll kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> that bit was fucking great. Although I do like how it ends. I think the ending's pretty funny. Yeah. Looking up um, trivia, apparently it was like a really, really horrible shoot. Apparently Gene Kelly was like like this really huge perfectionist and would like literally like just tear people apart trying to get them to do the perfect right. role. Like Debbie Reynolds said that the making the movie and surviving childbirth were the two hardest things she'd ever done. And apparently, um, Donald O'Connor, the, um, what's his name? Cosmo, that make him laugh scene entered him up in the hospital for a week. Cause he, um, what a surprise. He suffered from like painful carpet burns and exhaustion. And like, he, had to do the scene again after that because they accidentally destroyed the original footage. Oh it was like an accident that destroyed it all. <laughs> that makes me respect yeah. him so much. It was more. like so physically taxing, especially it wasn't. It was mostly caused by the fact he apparently was a heavy smoker and like mm. running up the wall, like doing a somersault and all this stuff. To like, be honest, though, if you couldn't tell that Gene Kelly was some sort of perfectionist madman. Literally, every time there's a close-up on his face, he looks so smooth. Yeah. So clean and it's so like smooth. like caked in, like, makeup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He just gave me that vibe. <laughs> it's kind of what it's going for, trying to be very a smooth kind of looking movie, very meticulous. Yeah. I guess, you know, it's not really a surprise that he was such a perfectionist because this movie is technically, I think, very 
perfect in the way that it's shot, in the way that it's framed, all the color usage and the dance choreography, uh, like the blocking and the acting is it's all working together to create something that's very just super fun and entertaining, um, while also being just really well made, you know. Um I just admire it so much for that. Um I don't really I guess yeah, when when I think of like fifties movies or like older movies, I'm I'm not really thinking about something like this in terms of like a general thing. Um but I guess it's just like just one of a kind, you know. I do feel like it's the best musical I've ever seen. I don't think it's been rivaled by really anything. I think, um, but but mostly I feel uh, what it what it uh, what brings it to that is to that to that level is just this commentary on cinema as we know it today. It is kind of timeless in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Oof, good to go to ratings then. Let's go to ratings. Sure. What are we rating out of? Rain. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's not even a plural <laughs> word. Rains. <laughs> Umbrellas. Um, what else happened in the film? Tap dancing shoes. Do it out of... I can't stand him. <laughs> you have to say it just like that, though. You have to say it like that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, how do I do this? How do I prepare? I'm just going to quit the podcast now, so don't have to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, really fantastic movie. I couldn't believe how well it holds up. Just really, really well made, fantastic acting, fantastic music. Everything about this movie is pretty much perfect. I'd love to watch it again because it was an absolute blast to watch. I'm going to give it 10. I can't stand him. Yes! Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, just one of the best... Uh, probably the best musical one of the best movies ever made um i really love it um i think it's it's like cinema as a vehicle for storytelling through the means of music um it's super smart super well done uh really very clever um i could tell why it's a classic obviously i'll also give it 10 i can't stand them out of 10 <laughs> it's it's gonna sound really bizarre but um I had this feeling that like I was watching it and the whole time I was watching it, I was just thinking when I go home for Christmas and I have to go see my grandparents, I might ask if they want to watch it. So I have an excuse to watch it again <laughs> because I really liked it. Um, oh, I just love this film. I was just in one of the moods afterwards where I just couldn't stop fucking humming stupid song. Like I say stupid, but it was like the best song ever written probably. <laughs> but yes, I enjoyed it very much. Favorite movie? Ah, um, ten. I can't stand him. <laughs> ten. Yes, I think it was based on the uh, the song "To Get in the Rain." Anyway, they just got like, the whole been. movie. And they, <laughs> yeah, they based it around that song. It was very interesting. <clears throat> Great. All right, all right, boys. So. Then we watched my movie uh, the day after because we've taken on quite a lot in our uh, personal lives. So therefore we have to split up these marathons quite often. And we watched a film called Moonlight from 2016, directed by Barry Jenkins. What a name, first off. Um, and it's a film about 
a young man split into three parts. So it's when he's young and then when he's in his like adolescence and then when he's an adult. And it basically just talks about um, things that happened across his life and what changes and how he's like finding himself and all that kind of stuff. Um, go on then. Um, who yeah. wants to begin is with that, that? That's what it's about, is it? Yeah, it's also about, you know... I know there's the a bit more to it, but I don't want to give it away, okay? Okay. This is a guy who's battling with um, kind of feeling very out of the, the, the general quotidian of what's expected of him um he's trying to navigate the world in 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 a way where everyone's kind of the same he's in this community where everyone's uh, sort of just they know what they're about he kind of doesn't know what he's about he's questioning his sexuality mm-hmm. uh you know he's he's very skinny kid everyone's calling him little um and he's also gay and he's also he's just in this community where this is not what's normal so i guess he's trying to navigate a world wherein he feels like he doesn't really belong um and in this i think he finds kind of solace in this family this this couple who kind of take him in is it juan and um whoever janelle uh, teresa. plays teresa yeah juan juan and teresa and they're like you know you, you you don't have to figure everything out yourself. Um, you don't have to uh, do everything on your own. You you just have to be who you are authentically, and that's going to help you to get through in life. Um, yeah, this is a really good movie. Really, really good. Um, I was kind of skeptical about revisiting it again because I didn't know if I was going to like it as much um, as I did on the first time around. I kind of joked that I, I didn't want to watch the movie because it's quite it is quite <laughs> sad. It's quite heavy. Um, I didn't really want to go back to a movie that made me feel like this, um, especially like not when I'm just like not prepared for it. Um, but I did end up kind of liking it a bit more this time around. Um, I think it's, it's probably something that I think it's like a, a really well revered movie. People really like this movie mm-hmm. for a reason. Yeah. Um, I told Darcy that she wasn't going to like how it's, it's a very long movie for something where like nothing happens really on on the surface. Mm. But after watching it the second time, I kind of don't feel that way. But I understand why people would. I th- I think I need to watch it again. I just um, I mean, in the film's defence, I did spend quite a lot of it um reading up on some drama, some beef. So there were some parts uh, of yeah, it where I kind really of got taken it. out of it. <laughs> No, that uh, yeah, there was like a very integral <laughs> scene where she wasn't paying attention, and suddenly she looked up, and now it was like reacted to the fact that two characters were making out. Yeah, um, it's I will I will watch this again, but um, I think for the time being, I think I I've seen it now, and that's what I wanted to do. That is the whole point of the podcast was to watch films that we either wanted to watch or want each other to watch, yeah. and I achieved it. I think this is a really, really fantastic movie. I think everything it tries to do in terms of telling a story that kind of, for me, it feels almost like about toxic masculinity and how that can be a very powerful and draining thing to be around when you're someone who doesn't really relate to that at all, when you're someone who doesn't really feel like a masculine person and doesn't really fit what is 
expected by those around him as what makes like a man or just a boy generally and that sort of stuff i find very relatable and it just hits me really hard yeah <clears throat> i think you know it, okay uh, we're gonna go on like a bit of a tangent here like a bit of an analogy um <laughs> the other day at work so like we do surveys and one of them someone answered like what's your gender and it said 100% man <laughs> I was like I don't, I don't know if anyone's 100% man yeah. I guess that's kind of what this movie is going for as well um, I, I guess stereotypically what makes a man uh, is I suppose being having more masculine traits uh, maybe being tough being strong um, being outgoing and extroverted, whereas I feel Chiron does not fit these traits. He's very introverted. He's very shy. He's not very outgoing at all. He doesn't really talk much, um, especially when he's a kid, and even more so into uh, adulthood. Uh, where I feel, as as we see him get into adulthood and kind of what he makes of himself, perhaps he's trying to change who he is a lot. He's he's worked out he's really beefy he's um you know he's working the streets he's kind of i think he's selling drugs um yeah he's like a very, precious he's like the yeah. head of it he's basically like a a mob boss almost yeah so this is very different to what perhaps you would think he would turn out to be when he was a child but I think what the movie gets at is where you can try to change yourself but fundamentally we're all we're, nobody changes so much within themselves that they could become a completely different person yeah there's like i feel like because the film's like split into three acts so there's like three different times in this guy's life and i feel like the third one kind of shows him how he's like changed to become this like this drug dealer how he's like a much more he's kind of almost like everything that he was not like previously he's much stronger he's kind of what you'd expect from a black man who's like in his position and as soon as he meets up with someone from his past it's almost like he remembers who he actually is and he kind of like goes back to that exact person that he's kind of been running away from and kind of changed himself to not be and he goes back to being this very shy and quiet and um, sexually confused person. I like that he goes back to Kevin, even after yeah. all those years, and he gets a call from Kevin, um, who is someone that we learn he he's the only person he's ever been sexually intimate with, um, or even just like had. I feel like that kind of connection with in his entire life, and he says nobody else has touched me. It's only you. Um, so it's quite. And then Kevin just says, like, yeah, you've not changed one bit. So it's like, yeah, you can't really change who you are fundamentally. Um, it's, I feel, who plays um, Chiron when he's older? Is it uh, Trevant Rhodes? I hope I'm saying that right. Really fantastic performance from him. Where you feel, yeah, look at this guy. He's, he's big, he's strong. He's got gold teeth now. And he's got chains, and he drives a big car. And yeah, he um, as soon up. as he, 
as soon as he kind of he interacts with like his mother again who's very abusive towards him when he was a child um she was very neglectful of him kind of he she even like stole from him she stole money from him it's a very hard relationship to watch and then i think there's a lot of uh themes of like forgiving people i suppose or like trying to understand different perspectives so like he goes to his mother when he's older and i guess she's working in like this hospital type place maybe it's a rehab center it doesn't really go into it um but like this this kind of tough guy demeanor kind of evaporates when he's with her he's crying and he 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 gives her a hug and i guess that's kind of like forgiveness in a way because she's very upset she like apologizes to him for how she was and this is also i think uh mirrored in the way that he kind of lets his guard down when he's with kevin as well he becomes more of himself and who he was when he was a kid yeah i feel like it kind of almost says that you can kind of like conform to be like everyone else and pretend you're something that you're not but at the end of the day it doesn't completely change who you are there's all you're always gonna (laughs) be that same person that you're trying to hide away I've, I've spent pretty much this whole segment just looking at reviews to see if i can like um muster up a feeling but i mean to be honest um i don't know i mean do you know what? I'll, I'll just watch it again and i'll just have to have to chalk that up to myself but what i thought personally was that i really liked the first part and the second part and then the third part felt kind of flat to me but really? I will watch I would, I'll just watch it again I think I just need to uh, you know stop reading beef on, on WhatsApp and the third part is my favourite part of the whole movie that's what made me give it the rating that I give it that, feel, that bit just kind of ties the entire film together for me and it hits me on such an emotional level I'll see I'll just yeah. watch it again i I like it a lot. Um, I kind of feel like it's a bit too long, maybe. Maybe it is a bit too long. It's like, yeah, what, like an hour and 50 or something. I feel like, I don't know if it needs to be that long because I, I was feeling the length. It can sometimes just like scattered around. It felt a bit too slow for me. Um, where I, I guess my initial thing saying the Darcy was like, it's very long for a movie where on the surface nothing happens. I kind of feel that way slightly, not so much now, um, but it does come with its trappings i think i just i think um it's not that i just wish more happened like i wish there was like more if they're gonna make a film this long i wish they kind of like fleshed it out a bit more i just i just wanted to see more i don't know it's, it's a difficult like one to explain like i just feel like it just kind of ended but i kind of wanted to see more that's that's i ain't gonna get any fucking sentences out of this i just feel like i didn't i didn't get the whole character like i felt like there was more there but i didn't get it or i didn't see it or it just wasn't there i don't know like i said i'm gonna watch it again because things i think if it could have carried on though like if it carried on past the, the the point where it did perhaps like that's when i really felt like it, it probably would have been taking the piss because that's all you kind of need because he's kind of accepted who he is in that moment where it's just like this kind of really sweet moment where Kevin and Sharon are just 
sat there and like Chiron's got his head on Kevin's shoulder and like uh, Kevin's like stroking his head. That's a really sweet moment. And I felt like that was a really good ending, a good way to end it. Yeah, and then it cuts to um, him as a kid on the beach and it kind of like... Um it goes back to the character of Juan telling this like story that is, um, I think it was a grandma said about how black kids in moonlight are like all blue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I actually really in like moonlight, that, that black boys look blue. And then, uh, Sharon says, I see your call. And then she, um, then Juan says, so she called me blue and Sharon says, so, so that's your name. You're called blue. It's like, Oh yeah. That's exactly what he would think. I mean, it's really good character development. He, and Juan says, no, you've got to decide who you're going to be. That's not my name. My name is Juan. And Do you know I'm what? Like, yeah, I well, of really course, everyone him. calls, yeah, everyone calls Chiron Little, so he thinks it's just acceptable to let yeah. other people call you something that you're not. But I, th- I think that's a big problem with people with like uncommon or foreign names. I've had it a lot uh, with my last name, where people just don't want and care about they often don't care about how how they pronounce it, but it's quite it's quite a big thing to me, just because just heritage wise, I think. And I think beyond that, it's like a comment on who you are as a person. You have to decide who you are as a person. You have to, you know, people aren't gonna people are gonna push back. It's just like the world we live in. People are gonna make fun of you. People are gonna take the piss. You know, he's he's very introverted he's skinny he's he's and he's gay and you know that's it's a very easy target to pick on but i feel like what this movie gets at is you just need to be yourself authentically and you know rebuff these kinds of attacks on your own character because otherwise you're not going to be able to like live yourself authentically which i feel like is not something that he was he was able to do for so long yeah that's what I really get out of the movie. I really um I love all the characters in the movie, especially um Juan in the first oh, sequence. I love him. He's like such a lovable character and is played so so well by Mahershala Ali. I think he gives the best performance in the entire movie. Yeah. I think he's incredible in this role. I think him and Teresa are like the power couple. They're I really love good. Yeah. Yeah. They are really good. Yeah, I, I, it's a bit sad that Juan's not in it more, but I kind of yeah. get it. It, may, it, may, it makes sense, but it's sad. Yeah, if I say one thing I didn't like is that they weren't in it enough. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it kind story. of... Yeah, I think there was like a moment where Sharon says that he moved to Atlanta after what happened. And I kind of took that as like, because you don't see Juan anymore, perhaps he died in some way. Yeah, I think he dies before the second segment. Yeah, he does. I, yeah. I think he goes, when he's like yeah. referring to what happened, he's referring to what getting beaten, uh, being not, in prison yeah, for attacking yeah. the kid in school. Mm-hmm. But d- d- I'm guessing they don't ever really establish what's happened to Juan. He's just, he's just gone. He's dead. Yeah. I guess when he works in that kind of field, yeah, it's I quite possible it's he could have been killed. However, mm. yeah, I liked it Because a lot. they are talking about like Teresa a lot more mm-hmm. and not Juan. Yeah. But I do like, I love, I love their dynamic. Yeah, I love Juan kind of just like takes him in, or finds him in like this crack house where he's trying to hide from the bullies. He kind of takes him in, he teaches him all these things, teaches him how to swim, really a lovely sequence in like the ocean, um, where it's almost like, it's almost like baptismal in a way. 
We're yeah. just teaching him how to swim. Um, he tells him, um, yeah, when you sit in my house, you don't face, don't put your back to the door because then you won't know who's coming up behind you. That was also kind of mirrored. I think that's something that he took with him through and really just like seated within, him, within himself, and especially in his adult life, where he goes into this uh, diner to meet Kevin and he sits. It's very subtle because they don't really, uh, they don't hone in on it really, but he sits right. with his, he sits facing the door. Which I think is a, like a nice little addition. Yeah, I think Barry Jenkins is really great <laughs> at doing things like that, like setting things up and then calling back to it later very subtly, where you wouldn't like probably notice it like the first time around. Mm. Great scene where um, Sharon is at the uh, the table with uh, Juan and uh, Teresa is kind of... This is like after... Juan's kind of faced up against uh, Chiron's mother for like doing a load of drugs like, when she should have been taking care of her child and then Chiron asks him this is only when he's like a kid as well it's very um, interesting to see him ask these kinds of things where he says um, he, Chiron asks Juan if he sells drugs and Juan says yeah and then he says that his mother does drugs too so he kind of without saying too much on the topic he kind of connects these two dots and then he just leaves. Sharon just leaves. That was leaves really and then sad. It, it He's just of, crying at the table. It, it holds on the shot of uh, Mahershala Ali. And you just, you just see the subtleties in his his face and his performance. It's really good performance where it just holds the shot. He's like blinking back tears. Yeah, I actually really, I really, really, really like the first segment. Like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I like have a favourite segment, but I guess the, um, I guess just when 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 you see more of uh, Marsh Laurelli, because I do agree, it's probably the best performance in this. But I do think everybody else yeah. is also really good. Didn't he win an Oscar for his performance in this? I'm pretty hey. sure he did. Oh, Marsh no. Ali, the guy played one. Oh, he won oh, best um, picture. Yeah, um, I know. I, won th- best I think picture. he got nominated. I don't know if it won though. Uh, um, <laughs> it won. MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss. <laughs> Did it actually? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love MTV. MTV are off the fucking Academy wall. Award for Best Supporting Actor, so I guess... Y- oh, yeah, yes. maybe. I think he, that was what he got. Oh, it, it was what just so, he? like... He was so wholesome in a way yeah. that he wasn't meant to be wholesome, I guess. Yeah. It's a really great character. Oh, I just... I yeah, I wish he was in it more. Liked, I do. Um... Who's the guy who plays Kevin? At the, Which Kevin? At the end. Oh. Yeah, I mean, at the end, I'm talking more Andre Holland. Really good performance from him. He was in, um, yeah. I don't know if you guys saw The Eddie. It was, it was uh, Damien Chazelle's no, kind of jazz uh, show that he did for Netflix. It's not like the best show in the world, honestly. I kind of fell off, yeah, but he was really good at it. it. Yeah. He was a really powerful performance in that. And I think in this... It was just really powerful, I think. A really good performance where, like, I guess they've kind of swapped character, like, um, I don't know attributes, but, like, when he was a kid, Chiron was very skinny and uh, uh, Kevin was kind of a bit fitter, I suppose, or, like, he wasn't as skinny as Chiron. And they get older, Chiron's this huge buff guy and um, obviously played by Andre Holland. Uh, Kevin's 
just a bit more skinnier, I guess, but he's, but he feels, I think he's got his life sorted out a bit more where he's had like a kid and a marriage. It is a divorce now, but like he, he knows what he's doing, you know, whereas I don't feel like Chiron does. No, definitely. I love the score throughout. I think it's really beautiful and atmospheric. Like most of it's just like ambient synths and like pianos and stuff. But I think it's just very great at like setting the mood and the tone of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, yeah. A lot of great musical pieces. I think there's a lot, um, really like whenever they use like orchestral pieces, it really sets the mood very well. I don't know if I have like so much more to say about it. Um, really, a, no. a couple of technical aspects. I think I like the the how. I mean, immediately it starts, and you know what you're in for because the camera's just going crazy, circling around these guys having an argument. Um, I think it kind of sets itself apart from other movies where, um, not only does it like fade out the background, it's it kind of blurs it. So it's it's not just out of focus, but like the backgrounds yeah. are often very blurred. It gives it a very unique look. Um. Yeah, even like it, at, at the end I, I kind of uh, saw more like when they were trying to focus on like close-ups of faces th- they would blur like below the neckline as well so if, yeah a very interesting way of uh, doing it but I think it does set it apart from other movies yeah something else I really loved in the movie that I wanted to bring up was um the character of Paula Sharon's mother like how she's like deteriorates from how she's like very drug dependent it's like really disturbing to watch like there's a great scene where she's like she locks herself out and asks him to let her in and then starts like demanding him to give her money because she obviously mm-hmm. needs more drug money it's a really horrible scene and then later on they try and give her like this redemption arc where she's like in this rehab clinic and she's doing good and she's saying that she really loves him and she's like basically apologizing and that's another like callback to when juan like talks about um his mother who's like oh i always hated her but i miss her like hell now it's kind of like mm-hmm. calling back to that and i think that's a really great callback as well just that whole character I think is just really interesting and just a great like bad person really yeah she's a great actor Naomi Harris yeah. really like her she's great in uh, Venom let that be carnage <laughs> <laughs> yeah should we go on to ratings are you good to go to ratings Darcy yep she don't go no, she's busy texting. She's given up on the podcast. Yeah. No, I'm talking to a student, so I'm just writing out a really lengthy message, but carry on. Oh, great. I'm with you in spirit. Good to, good to know. Good to know you're, you're with I'm us. Ba- hey, I'm balancing both jobs, all right? Go, go ahead. What <laughs> are we doing out of, Darcy? Sure, movie, you choose. Oh, wow. I'm doing the Chris now. I'm like going back in my head like, what should I do? Um... Let's do it out of Juan's. Juan's. Okay. I would have said hand jobs, but yeah. Juan's is fine. I think we've done hand jobs before. <laughs> 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 yeah, really, really powerful, fantastic movie. It just hits me really emotionally. I wasn't expecting it to resonate with me as deeply as it did this time around, but there was like a bit towards the end where I was like doing everything in my power not to burst into tears because it like was really like hitting me i think barry jenkins is a really great director and this is easily my favorite film he's done but um if bill shrieker talks another really great one as well if you guys haven't watched it i recommend that 
But yeah, I'm going to give this 10 Juans out of 10. Really incredible movie. Yeah, I would like to watch if Bill Street could talk. I haven't seen that yet. Um, and of course, you know, The Lion King 2 when that comes in. Yeah, that'll be <laughs> great. Um, <laughs> this is great. This is a really good movie. Um, perhaps not one that I would watch again for like a very long time because it is quite sad you know um does hit you but i think all the acting is fantastic uh the direction is really unique something uh that we don't see a lot of these days obviously you only see it from like the the really good guys or the the the, the really good directors i think um and barry jenkins i mean I think this is the only movie I've seen from him, but I would be interested in checking out more of what he's done. Um, yeah, and I guess it's just, it, it's at times it can be a bit slow, but that's basically my only criticisms that I have against it. Um, I think I'll probably give it an eight uh, ones out of ten. Give it an eight. <laughs> cool. Um, I'm not going to comment too much because I'm just going to watch it again. Which basically just makes my opinion on the podcast null and void. But uh, for the first time around, um, I'm just going to give it seven Juans out of ten. Amazing. My first perfect week. It is. Will that ever be me? Probably not. No, we'll see. Wonderful. That's that. That's the, that. That. That's that. Okay. We've we've got next episode to do. We're going to watch season one of The Fall. Um, that's available on the BBC. I think it's on Netflix as well in the UK. Um, so yeah, watch season one of that. I think it's five episodes long. Not super large commitment. So we'll see what that's like. In the meantime, we got social media accounts. We got the YouTube, the Sunday Movie Marathon, Twitter at Sunday Movie Pod, Facebook at Sunday Movie Marathon, Letterbox at Sunday MM, capital S, capital mm go follow those why not uh thank you for listening this has been 54 episode we've done this has it. been heavy <laughs> that's yeah, been heavy yeah what, what a, a week, week. <sighs> great <laughs> see you next time <clears throat> scooby-doo <laughs>